Hello, and welcome to the Plunder Sonics podcast. My name is Nolan. My name is Winter. And this week, we're talking about our favorite album of <laughs> 2015. <laughs> it's the, the big one. It sure yeah. is. It's so big. Um, oh my gosh. So I have a top 20, and you have like a top 10 with like four or five honorable mentions, right? No, I have like two honorable mentions and oh, 10, shit, 10 right. albums that I can go hard in the paint with. But right. yeah. Um, so. So I get mean, it started, man. Yeah. Give I, me some honorable mentions. Uh,. I feel like some of these, like, okay, so for the honorable mentions, if you want to, like, cut me off, we can talk about any of them. Um, I would never cut you I'm off while to... you're trying to talk. Well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you liar. Dude, we do it every time. <laughs> we do it every week. Um, I'm just going to, like, give, like, really brief descriptions on why of why it's on my list, basically. I want to I give a little bit more depth to all of these because it was honestly hard for me to cut this down to 20. Because I liked so many albums this year. Wow. Yeah. Wow, look at you, man. Fucking A. <laughs> I honestly, like, I'm, like, struggling to, like, put together 10. I'm, like, that kid who, like, writes, like, the minimum word count or something. It's and okay. you're the, you're the kid yeah, who's yeah. like, I have to cut things. Oh, but every every funny. argument is so articulate, I can't figure out which argument in my essay I should cut. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it's okay, though, because we're going to have... The, the monthly, from now on, the first podcast of every month, remember we're doing the um, the like 2016 only albums. So uh, I'll, I, I can like give you stuff that I've been hearing or that I've been hearing about. Yeah, and we also have to get back into the um, the SoundCloud, not SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Oh, yeah, find some weird shit on there. Exactly, that's what I, yeah, we need yeah. to discover new things. We need I to found, be the hot, um, fresh tastemakers. I found a Ritual Ambient album might talk about on Bandcamp. A Ritual Ambient, is that what you just said? Yeah, it's like Zoeon, but like um, less dark and more... Uh, no one's going to have me listen to glitch tribal. music. I and, am, but and, it's so good. And I'm Richard. like... I was, my, mm, it was fucking, mm, I've listened to it like mm, three. Mm, the hot pizza pie, like... I've listened to it <laughs> three, I think the first time I listened to it was the last day of the year. I've listened to it like four or five times already. It's so fucking good. It's addictive. Is yeah. that what it is? It's like hypnotic good music. All right. It is. I'll I was, trust I, you. My mind was like blown. So. If that can blow your mind, then I can probably get into it. All right. So um, my first one on the list is Garden of Delete by One of Tricks Point Never at number 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this might be higher up on my list with more listens. I just, I honestly haven't listened to it. Here's how I feel. Really I, feel like it, I feel like it belongs at number 20 on everybody's list, to be perfectly honest. It's like good, but not like yeah. top 10 area. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, but I feel like there's a lot to digest too. So, that's that's the only reason I'm saying that. Like, it's one of those yeah. albums that seems like it's so dense that on more listens it could totally go up or down on my list just it's, because you know I haven't really. I don't think I've really digested it yet. It's a fucking good album. Mm-hmm. All right, my number nineteen is Riot Boy by Leaf. Um, I was really hyped for Leaf this year, and honestly, I really enjoyed Riot Boy, which is why it's on my list at all. But um. It was, I feel like it didn't live up to the hype the singles built for me. The singles were easily the standouts. There were a couple of other tracks that were really strong as well, but this, mm-hmm. those singles that we heard, like Rage and uh, Koi and Umami Water, which came out like right before. Yeah, but I they remember all, you. They're all really good. We heard the singles, and then you actually were excited enough to actually give him a chance, and I'm glad you did because it sounds like you got a lot out of it. Now yeah. I'm feeling compelled to check it out too. Yeah, well, um, I've also I've always had like an interest in the, uh, the like the queer hip hop scene. I feel mm-hmm. like it's so different from what most hip hop is. It almost seems like antithetical because it a comes lot well, of the thing, exactly because it comes from such like it doesn't come from. I mean, I can't I can't assume that it does, but I can I I. 
I'm going to assume, I guess, <laughs> that, uh, that it doesn't come from, like, a lot of the, like, kind of chauvinistic or, like, um, objectifying or, positions. Well, but the thing is, like, um, I listen to Leaf, and I've experienced something I've never really experienced in music before. Whereas, like, uh, if, a, if a girl listens to a hip-hop album, she's, like, she's going to hear women objectified, and she's going to, f- yeah. like, feel that, you know? Mm-hmm. When I listen to Leaf, he does it about guys, and it's weird for me. I've never been on the receiving end of that. You know oh. what I mean? So I mean, it's I have, whole no, I have. dynamic. I definitely have listened to, like, female hip-hop artists. Even Nicki Minaj has done that, where I, she's kind of, like objectified men or i guess what's the word synecdoche like... not synecdoche um it's um it's like a synecdoche in the sense that you like you basically have some item represent um a person for themselves so you kind of say like i'm like you basically like replace a man with his money and they just like oh, okay, they're just yeah. literally are their money and i think Nicki minaj has done that with like describing men where she's just I feel been like, like you're just a pocketbook to me or something yeah you know? see okay that's the difference though i feel like leaf does it a lot of rap ways leaf does it in the way that a lot of rappers <sighs> approach it with women where it's very sexual and it's very like i'm just gonna fuck you and be done with you okay. it's something i've never experienced before honestly mm-hmm. even with like female rappers mm-hmm. it's uh <laughs> I don't know. It it just feels like a different dynamic because well, that's just an interesting thing in terms of sex because the thing is like when a man has sex with another man, he fucks that other man. A woman can't. It's, necessi- it's like a different thing. I know what you're talking about. You know what it, I'm there's saying? There's a different so, dynamic. It's yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I shouldn't go too into this. Never mind. <laughs> but it's yeah. It is a whole. It is technically yeah. It is a whole new thing. But right. Yeah. Um, the album is really interesting, and if the only reason I think it isn't further up on my list is because um, he, he's, he's been doing this for a little while, but it's, it still sounds like he's uh, refining. Like, a lot, of the, a lot of the album, a lot of the back end of the album in particular sounds track-to-track track way, like, very similar. And I feel, like, oh. I feel like if he comes up with a few more ideas and he, like, refines the sound a bit more, he can mm-hmm. be, like, great, like, really amazing, like... He's really good right now, yeah. but there's just like a lot of potential. I feel like. Yeah, and we've 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 iterated that before. There's just a lot of like, we're finding a lot of good potential in mm-hmm. this in the at the end of the year here, which is good. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eighteen is the Drake mixtape. If you're reading this, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really feel like anything needs to be said about this. I think everyone's basically heard it at this Re- point. <laughs> <Set> <laughs> me. Of, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So. This isn't an actual album, right? Sort of. It's basically an album. Um, it's a mixtape that he made people pay for. A lot of people think he just put it out to get out of his Young Money contract or whoever oh. he had a contract with. Well, um, it is. I think I preferred Nothing Was the Same, his last album, a little uh-huh. bit more, just a little bit. Um, I think Nothing Was the Same had better standouts, but this one is track to track better quality. Oh. So, it's like. A lot of the beats are really dark and minimal and something I don't think I've ever really heard Drake do before. Um, and, I mean, if you've heard, like, there some of the singles have been on the radio and stuff, like Energy and Legend and stuff. It's is just, Hotline Bling on there? No, Hotline Bling is, is the not... first single from his next album, which will come out this year. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be an actual album album. Yep. Interesting. Um, it's it's really it's really cool though how strong this was and it was just kind of like a it almost felt like a throwaway release so yeah yeah uh just like a strong drake project drake doing drake really 
uh, a little bit differently and really well. And I heard it's like a career path change for him as well. That's what I read up on. Like, this is like the moment where he's like basically announcing that he's going to be like this different like persona. Oh, it's definitely a lot less, um, a lot less of the kind of R&B elements, mm-hmm. I think, on that album. There's like tr- some tracks that have it. Like there's one called Preach where it's like kind of an auto-tune ballad. <laughs> sort of what about his personality is he is he more caught like um is he the same kind of he seems like, more confident about think he seems more confident mm-hmm. oh i think so interesting i thought this was like an earl sweatshirt kind of like i'm just like broken i can't leave my house kind of no. thing because if um, you're reading this it's too like late he... it sounds like a suicide note right uh, you know? i guess so. and the writing even it's... looks all scratchy like it's been cut into a person's body it i looks... thought it was like a suicide like oh no it's not de- really like sadness like kind of thing it, it seems like he's a lot more confident it, huh. it seems like he does kind of have a fuck off attitude but it's more like a, i'm tired of people like trying to get at me for my money and stuff like that is is what a lot of it feels like and like he talks uh quite a bit about like how he's just kind of done with the drama and shit which is kind of ironic because the meek mill beef showed up right like a few months after he put it out but but you know, it's yeah. it's a lot more confident I think than he's ever really been. Eh, maybe maybe not, but it, it just seems really confident to me uh, from him, particularly in like his vocal styles, not just lyrically. Okay. Uh, my number seventeen is "Autumn Eternal" by Panopticon. Mm. Really nice black metal release. Um, it's this is another one that could go up or down. It needs more listens. It's really dense, and I black metal generally. Um, is something I can't listen to a lot unless I'm really in the mood for it. Um, like I can listen to like a new album and like get something out of it, but usually I won't listen to the same album over and over and over uh, unless like there's something unique about it or I'm really in the mood for something particular. So th- I need to give it more lessons. But um, is it is it like a very samey throughout, or is it more um, varied? It's it's about autumn, right? It's called Autumn Eternal. I know it's called I Autumn mean, that's, Eternal. That's kind I mean, of it's a, like a like a common theme a lot in black metal, yeah, right? I was and November say, is Black just, Metal Month and stuff like that. So yeah. it's called Autumn Eternal, but it's got to be called Autumn Eternal for a reason. Um, yeah, Panopticon does do. He likes to do um kind of conceptual things. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, like I haven't read a lot into the lyrical content. Oh, okay, okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is like some overarching concept for it. All right. Uh, it's. I wouldn't say it's samey, but I would say it is much more. Panopticon's really known for adding a almost Americana style folk element to his music. Oh, okay. Uh, his he had an album of like 2012, I think, called Kentucky. That was a literal blend of bluegrass and black metal. So he does some weird ass shit. Mm, he did a Kentucky blend. <laughs> yeah, of he bluegrass did bluegrass and. Black metal. Um, Sounds delicious. And I feel like um, Autumn Eternal is a much more straightforward black metal album. So in that way, you could kind of say it's more samey. But it's all really solid black metal. And it's never, it never gets boring for its sameyness. Dude, black metal... Liter- when I th- when I hear black metal, I just think of like a rod of black metal, and like you know what I think? <laughs> that is some solid black metal right there, <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> you fucking nailed God it. God damn it. Okay, next man. Next, All right. Next list. My 16 and 15 are ties. Um, they are two very different kinds of hip-hop music that I enjoyed, I'd say, about equally. The first one is Srem Life by Racer Murd. And the second one is So the Flies Don't Come by Oh, Mario. I heard Srem Life was so fun. Okay. I heard it was, like, the funnest, Race like... Racer Murd has been getting so much shit in end-of-the-year lists. They've been getting 
tons of like uh worst album of the year worst track of the year stuff really because it is the most typical <coughs> no it's not the most typical it's pop rap and it's trap rap yeah and it's the most um it's like hedonistic there's no real depth to it at all on a lyrical or musical level mm. but it is some of the most banging fun party music and part of that is because mike will made it produced literally the whole thing and mike will made it is an incredible producer i've been thinking more and more about the actual guys sway lee and slim jimmy the guys from race Remard. yeah and i was like there's something about them that i like because I've heard them on other people's beats and I like them. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Mike Will made it beats that I didn't like as much with other people on them. Mm. And so I was like, I've always like kind of held that the production is really what stand out, stands out on this album. Mm-hmm. But I think what really does it for me is that um, they take the hedonistic thing and they make it. So like when uh, a Kanye or a Rick Ross does it or something, they just seem like, look at all my money. I'm the fucking best. Yeah, they look like they're a hedonistic because they're they on a god like, level. Like they, they're like, yeah. They seem like they're bragging and they're like, they're not, um, they're just they're just showing off. When Race from Mer does it, mm-hmm. it seems almost celebratory. They're like, look at, we fucking made it. It's so cool. Look at how yeah. fun everything is. Yeah. Like they're, they're clear. They're really doing the braggadocious thing. They're doing that. Um, like like everyone else does but because of their vocal styling the way they structure their songs and stuff how they um, deliver it where they're from aren't they from like mississippi or something yeah, like that they're from tupelo same place elvis is from oh maybe that's missouri i don't know where it is now it's mississippi it's mississippi right. it's just yeah. like ridiculous and they're like, they're so they sound young like if yeah. i'm sure you've heard like no flex zone or something on the radio you've you've almost definitely heard one of their songs even if you don't know it because huh. they're everywhere okay um they literally sound like uh, like the guy that does the Hit the Quan song or the... Oh, really? Or the Watch Me Whip Nene song. That's what they sound they, like. They have... Well, like Slim Jimmy less so, but Sway Lee in particular has a very young sounding voice. Uh, I think that plays into it a lot. They just sound like they're two kids that made it big and they're just having a fucking time in their lives. And it's really like fun because of that because they don't sound like they're shoving their money in your face they're like come celebrate with us look at let's party you know so it seems like more genuine yeah it seems a lot more like genuine and why they're so celebratory Mm -hmm. so i know there's going to be some people who give me a lot of shit for having that on here but i stand by it because it is i've seen it one of the most fun albums Really? Actually, yeah, I've seen no. it on so many lists. I've seen it like a lot of people really like this album. Like they and they probably agree with you. Like, you can't really bitch about like having like a good time listening to music. Ultimately, whether or not it's like silly or not, especially if it's not like fucking like uh, offensive in like a really really bad way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, the tie with that, So the Flies Don't Come by Milo. I think I talked about this um, a few podcasts ago when we did the 2015 one. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go briefly on it. Um, I, I I said then, um, I've realized that Milo is kind of a one-trick pony, and he hasn't really ever done anything new since his first album. Mm-hmm. But I think he's refined his one trick Yeah, and so you, you well. really like it. And I'm really into his very deadpan flow and his philosophical lyrics and his like his brand of introspection they just work for me really well um and whereas like srem life is kind of like the party side of hip-hop this is the more this is the side the where conscious I, side it, it it makes me feel more i'd say it's not even like a uh 
it is intellectual, but more what I get from it is um, it's very emotionally uh, mature, I think, and I get a lot out of that. Yeah, definitely. And if like if you're a person like on either side of the coin, like if you're a person who's looking for something where you want or you're feeling like you're in a very like sober, like analytical or like searching mood, then you might enjoy that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's he's got um, a lot of. Of non sequiturs but there's also a lot of uh philosophy and like he was a philosophy major that's when he started making music oh, yeah. so like there's there's a lot to think about and like really dig into on his in his music all right um my number 14 is surf by donny trumpet in the social experiment oh, man. i feel like overall this album was a bit uh let down it was inconsistent but I think the standout tracks, for me anyways, were so strong that it really carried the album for me. Stuff like Sunday Candy. Um, I can't remember the song right now. I haven't listened to it since near the beginning of the year. So this would be another one I'd want to re-listen to. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, the, it was good, though. The track with Quavo from Migos. I feel like Quavo like, delivered one of his best verses of his career on that track. Um, I think the statement of the of the album itself is it a mixtape or an album it's an album it's it was al- a free album but yeah it was free that was it was a statement the whole thing being released and the fact that chance says he's just not going to do anything without his whole social experiment lineup anymore yeah i think that was the point of it i don't think it was like that like strong a release or it would have been like higher up on people's list or like it would have been more hype surrounding it i think sunday candy's a great song i love the music video um the slip slide song is really good too with yeah. busta rhymes and bob on it they got some big names on it too yeah there there were some really killer tracks on it but overall it was um a little bit i think the initial disappointment dropped it down on my list a lot and then yeah uh like it probably wouldn't have been on this list if it came out like a a month ago but just like the the in retrospect and really piecing together the album as it is instead of with all my expectations you know um I think a lot of the saxophone parts, or not the saxophone, the trumpet, trumpet parts, Donny are trumpet. actually really beautiful. Yeah. But it's just not what I was looking for, you know. Yeah, that's true. All right, and then yeah. number thirteen, and then you're gonna st- start having honorable mentions, so you can throw yours in between after this one. Is a okay. uh, Volnikura by Bjork. This is my first Bjork album. Never listened to her before this. Oh yeah, this is your first. Okay. Um, and I thought it was fucking gorgeous and fucking heartbreaking it was so depressing oh really yeah did you listen to this no i haven't li- the, only, is... the only the only uh bjork album i've listened to is vespertine okay yeah but old one she said she has said that this album is like supposed to be like a breakup heartbreak album oh, okay um and honestly like this out al- this album is so varied musically like the it opens with like these really beautiful strings and like a piano ballad almost not really she doesn't she really uh keeps away from any kind of traditional song structures on most of her stuff so it's hard to say it's a ballad but it has that kind of vibe for it you know okay it has like spacious like yeah instrumentation and like kind of like storytelling singing and stuffing stuff like that yeah okay um and then like it's only nine tracks long but they're like kind of longer tracks so she really fleshes out all her musical ideas really well there's some tracks later on the album that are entirely synthetic instrumentation yeah and they sound really dark and um beautiful but the whole album is soul crushingly sad 
it has a very um in that way it reminds me of like sufyan's album from this year where it's just so down in the dumps really makes you it hits you right in the heart you know we're all gonna die yeah oh my gosh i can't wait till we get to that because that's definitely on my list yeah and i just thought it was really beautiful and it was a very um it was a very satisfying introduction to bjork i'd say i was very happy with what i got out of it (laughs) which is cool because she is such a huge artist that i've never gotten around to and i got such a in my opinion a very good start yeah she's gigantic she, when she sits around the house, she sits around the house. We're going to do, do Yo Mama jokes about Bjork. You know, no. she'll kick your ass because, like, she, didn't she beat up some, like, paparazzi person for getting close to her daughter or something like that? Did she? I there's, there's be, like, footage of I, that I or fucking, something. I'd like that. beat up a paparazzi for getting close to my daughter. Dude, probably. But All it's right. just so funny to see Bjork. Give me, like, okay, give fine. me an honorable All right, we're mention. moving on. Can't talk about this you, stuff. You got to talk now. It's your turn. Talk. I've been talking for fucking 13 albums. Not really. Seven albums or something. Yeah, seven albums. Okay. I did a Lu- uh, Lupe Fiasco. These are my honorable mentions, by the way. These aren't even, like, on number. If you want to dig in a little, we can. If you don't feel like you, you're... I, I know you could hardly do that on the stuff you were really into, so if you don't want to, that's fine, too. Yeah, honestly. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for just honorable mentions with, with Lupe Fiasco, with, who released Tetsuo and You. Tetsuo! Tetsuo! And then Sound and Color, uh, Alabama Shakes. I listened to Alabama Shakes a few, a few times, um honestly like i really like the single uh, give me all your love mm-hmm. give me all your love boom, boom, boom. I've heard it's beautiful it's just a really like nice slow burner it's very simple lyrically it's, i think they literally just say like give me all your love like a million times yeah. and that's the whole song i've never listened to them but i've heard that that album in particular is very uh single heavy like the singles oh. are really the standouts yeah they definitely are it's 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 an okay album overall i mean they've got like i don't really i'm not a big fan of what uh of how they like they like i guess process the lead singer's voice sounds very like 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 quiet and like it sounds like very narrow and distant even though it sounds like really distorted so it just kind of like it's kind of like car seat headrest or like girl band it just it doesn't and it doesn't yeah well sort of and it just doesn't work with a blues band at least i don't like how it sounds yeah i think other people from what i've heard of their sound that doesn't sound like it would fit to me yeah but i mean they they did release a really good pop album essentially um i can't complain like it's something that you can listen to easily while you're just chilling um Uh, what did you think of um on on the other album what did you think of the way tetsuo Tetsuo and youth was divided up did that because i thought it was like they had like the the different seasons or whatever you know oh um no i don't know anything about that honestly you well it's like on the album like there's a there's like these interlude tracks one's called summer and then there's summer fall winter and then it ends on spring i think is like the last track and they're just little instrumental interludes um and then so like summer starts and the first tracks after summer are a really um happy bombastic almost sounds like something that could have wound up on like a chance the rapper's acid rap those kind of songs they're really like fun and out there and then this the second part was all uh jazz rap stuff it was all like these really jazzy instrumentals that he was going over and then the third part the uh winter part was all like trap stuff oh that's what i noticed when i listened to it is it was divided up in such a way where it was like 
here's all of these pop rap songs and then here's all these jazz rap songs and then here's all these trap songs and they're divided by these instrumentals that are supposed to signify something and I thought the album was really strong during summer I was like holy shit these are like some really good pop rap songs mm-hmm. and then the jazz rap stuff I was like this is okay but it's not nearly as good as the first part mm-hmm. and then the whole last part of that album I was like not into it all oh really yeah like the trap stuff just didn't work he had like a lot of stupid lines like uh what was it there there was one called like delivery and it was like the pizza man doesn't deliver here anymore because because of gangs or something like that oh god like it was it was kind of corny near the end but um overall i i enjoyed that album too yeah freaking a all right well uh we can move back on to you he went pretty hard too on some of those tracks yeah. like that first track Did you listen particular. to uh he also had an ep where he like sampled like metal gear solid five or something i listened like that to that afterward track, but i didn't hear the whole uh, ep i just heard that uh, track. The, the whole ep is like it's all right it's not it's not his best work i think tetsuyo tetsuo and youth is better but um i mean of course it's a whole album yeah honestly it's really nice to hear lupe come back from stuff like lasers and food and liquor too though because those albums were really bad and like i mean back in the day he had some really great albums it's just nice to hear him like making something good again so you know yeah. uh my number 12 is dirt by ko ko is the japanese rapper i've been hyping up for the past couple weeks and this album blew me away so hard it like made it onto my list um it's recent enough where it could drop down if i just because like it's so recent for me that it like was really initially appealing but you know Bjork came out at the beginning of the year. It could easily switch places with that after some sitting time. It's like Japanese trap. Um, and Ko goes really fucking hard. He has like these almost waka flaka moments where he, his voice just starts cracking because he's just like screaming and shit. It's bizarre. Um, and it's really varied. There's like the first track is like a piano beat and it almost sounds like an old Eminem song. <laughs> And then af- right after that, he goes into this, like, Waka Flocka-style trap rap stuff. It's bizarre. Um, and then a little later on in the album, it kind of slows back down a bit, and it gets less intense. But overall, I thought it was a really fun surprise. Like, it's something I wasn't expecting at all. And then my number 11 is I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside by Earl Sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And we had a whole fucking episode on this, so I'm not even going to go into it at all. Just dark, depressing uh, hip-hop music and a really nice return to form from Earl. Yeah, honestly, it was... Uh, um, I have it on my list, too, so I guess we can talk about it when we get to it on yeah, my list. Let's honestly. Do that. Yeah. What's your number 10, Winter? My number 10 is Even If You Don't Believe by Rusty. Nice. And I think that was literally like when I was putting this list together, it was like 21 or something. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I actually got it from you. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, it's just some really, really fun EDM uh, and trap inspired music uh, produced really, really strangely um, yeah. in um, such a way that the bass is like very um, like boomy and like weirdly like it feels like it's compressed weird and then like uh all the like higher end instrumentation like all the synthesizers are like buzzing and like they're so like um they're so like big 
and also like going all over the place and they're like very noisy there's just so much noise going on that if you like turn up the volume at all you're going to get just like so much like residual sound coming in all different directions it's very very fascinating um music so I um, just to... in terms of the sonics that you can pull out of it um and I, was... I think that's what's really fascinating about it and it's also um what's up dude I listened to Green Language, the the last album you put out, but I did not listen to Glass Swords. How is this in comparison to that? This is so different. Well, I mean, from Glass Swords, I didn't listen to Green Language. Um, with, Green Language uh, wasn't great. It's not worth listening to. <laughs> all right. Um, with uh, with Glass Swords, it's a completely different album from Glass Swords. Glass Swords right. had such clean, like, it was a maximized sound, mm-hmm. but like with like they had like he had like a lot of like different layers of instrumentation and stuff like that and that was what was big back then everybody was talking about maximized or max uh maximalist sounds like flying lotus and stuff like that yeah um but now looking looking back on it it was actually very clean um kind of like sharp concise like a glass sword kind of (laughs) kind of you know kind of album whereas this is like very like it might have less actual like it, different instruments going on but it feels like there's so much more to to like pull apart because the the like the audio experience is so um is so like loose and like i think it's actually more experimental than anything i've heard from rusty uh before simply because he's just experimenting with with how he can make his album sound more so than with song structures or with how many different sounds he can jam pack together it's actually just um really fascinating that he's trying to do this with his album and like meanwhile his whole aesthetic is like so silly and playful and joyous and all the art for his stuff has been like a sunset spectrum of there's like a dolphin fucking sample in one song yeah and there's like multiple points where they have like different silly things like that yeah throughout um and i it is a little weird like this like towards the end of the album there's like a few tracks that sound like chip tunes more than anything actually um but that's kind of always been a presence in his music a, oh, l- a little bit what did you think of the so like when the album came out there were certain tracks that said featuring rusty on them um and those were tracks where he played live instrumentation so like on the very first one he plays guitar like at the very very beginning of the album Do you remember that no yeah there's like guitar bits and stuff like uh he put some organic instrumentation onto it that, that probably played. explains why it sounds the way it does because honestly it sounds like there's some like analog sounds mixed into this yeah. thing that are giving it such noisiness you know mm-hmm. making it sound less clean yeah man it's a it's a really good album it's something i put on in the background a lot when i want to not focus on something and just have something really fun playing you know yeah it just makes you feel good it's just there's a lot of a lot of like uh it's a very happy album i think at least until like the last like three or four tracks it's pretty much just like all upbeat it's um, very um edm music in my opinion so a lot of instrumental music unless so a lot of instrumental music that's like dancey um Mm -hmm. it just drags for me because uh it just sounds like the same kind of beat over and over or whatever if i'm like listening to an album of it i just like i'm like when is this gonna end this rusty album it like i'm like holy shit it's the last track already i feel like i've been listening to this 10 minutes it just like flies by it's like it's so pretty, entertaining it's, it's, how long is this album it's not it's pretty long it's, if, is if it, i thought it was uh it's not super long it's not like a like an 
like a two hour album or no anything. i think it's, it's just, like i think it's probably like 45 minutes it's like, like 45 minutes only um i'm not exactly sure it's 15 tracks and each one's three or four minutes so there's nothing like overly long about it but i don't know it really flies by for me um more so than a lot of that kind of music does so that's funny it All just right. really like yeah, it's probably because there's just more variation in it as well. Yeah, there's I'm, a lot of. I'm, there's, there's, I'm not saying that it's not detailed by saying that it's not as like, um, like maximum, co- max, yeah. like no, complex as as his other music. Um, I'm just saying that it's like, it's in terms of each individual moment is not as like as as busy. Yeah, it's not um, as packed with in, sound in, in the same sense. It's they're all pretty packed with sound, but like not packed with like different sounds. It's like he like, obviously the, the, this like. 34 year old dude who looks like he's in high school <laughs> if you remember us having that yeah. discovery um he just he takes a different approach to filling out the mix essentially and mm-hmm. uh i think that like yeah it i'm sure it could fly by for me if i gave it a few more listens but right now i just like every time i listen to it i'm just kind of like captivated just like being like damn like this is like this is gnarly this is a gnarly sound yeah i, I it's that's another album i really need to listen to more i enjoyed it a lot but um I don't like that last month of the year. I was catching up on so much stuff. I was yeah. just like, okay, this is really fun. Next yeah. album, you know. So, another album that came out literally two weeks ago or some shit, hardly had any time with it all. That is my number 10 is Oblivion Access by Lil Ugly Mane. So, Lil Ugly Mane put out Mr. Thug Isolation a few years ago and he really blew up. And I didn't like that album at the time it came out i'm sure if i listened to it now i would have more of an appreciation for it because when it came out i was just getting into like hip-hop music if i remember correctly but um this album was really uh it was really different for me he has a very uh what's the word i'm looking for not not like southern hip-hop but uh horrorcore i guess kind of delivery he sounds kind of like three six mafia ish in his in his flow delivery like he's a a lot more understated but i mean just in the bite in his voice um and his lyrics are fucking so nihilistic and kind of misanthropic and very uh angsty suburban white boy Mm -hmm. but they managed to he's got such good like um wordplay and writing that even though the the stuff sounds really not fitting for hip-hop music i like well you know i mean in the the common sense of it that uh it sounds like it shouldn't work but it does just because his wordplay is so good uh the beats which are really where little ugly main shines is in his production are fantastic he like crafts the beats for his voice um very obviously and it just it makes everything he says sound better it makes like the beats themselves sound better there's a lot of really weird elements to it he uh little ugly main started as a side project for a two-man black metal band he was a part of so there's a lot of darker musical influences in his music he has like a lot of harsh noise stuff thrown in like there's some scraping sounds and stuff that like made my fillings rattle i was just like oh god i can't do this there's like one track i had to like skip the beginning of it because it would like hurt my teeth just from the metal sounds or whatever uh there's like some industrial elements and like there's like a lot of like weird stuff going on in his beats it's really where he shines and uh yeah this album like i said i've only had like two weeks with it i'd need to listen to it more 
but it was very immediately impressive and um yeah enjoyed it a lot i'm excited to go back and listen to mr thug isolation again as a result all right What's your number nine? My number nine is Shh by Shmoo. Oh, Shh by Shmoo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really into this album uh, since I found it this year. I didn't really find it. It was just kind of like it found me really because it was just like all over stereo gum and stuff like that. Um, Really solid. Uh, I don't know what to call it. I guess just like. It's a shoegaze, Yeah, right? it's a shoegaze. I guess it's just like a, a, sh- like a really fun shoegaze album that isn't grounded in song structures that are necessarily like indie pop so much as like um just like sometimes it's like jazz music some of it's um psychedelic as well it feels like it could almost be categorized under this kind of like fuzz uh genre that's getting really like popular in like i know it's popular in orange county I don't know if it's. Are you talking about that Burger Records kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. But I think it's. I think there's so much more to it. Um, with with Shmoo, because there's definitely a lot of callbacks very clearly on some of their tracks, like their single, um, Pictionary. Um, it's it seems so um, clearly like referencing like some of the bigger hitters for uh you know shoegaze like uh My Bloody Valentine and stuff like that. The guy girl vocals that are present on those track on that track are, uh, makes it pretty clear. Um, also, throughout the album, a lot of the like just the like resampling techniques that they use in order to um, create these like s- like super fast paced um, like momentous is I think the best word because you re- they really do create like maintain the momentum of the album is like um, these like moments where they just like loop like samples of themselves from like what it sounds like earlier in the record to continue sections of the record and they just like rapid fire go from one super fast looping part of a song to another part that's like micro sampled one after another kind of like what they did on like um um the first half of powers that be with like the bjork, bjork vocals? Sa- with the bjork vocals okay, and stuff like that that's but, with, cool. but with their own band that's really um, interesting yeah um, and then on top of that, it sounds like they're not only doing that as like one instrument, but they're playing on top of that resampled of their own band. And like, uh, they, uh, their sonic signature is, uh, very like, uh, shoegazy, I guess. I mean, it just sounds like very, um, very, it doesn't sound amateurish. Um, and it sounds full. Um, it's going to do for you what you want. If you're into shoegaze, it's gonna do for you what you what you want to get out of it. Essentially, um, I would also say that um, you can kind of like not listen to the very last track. The last track is like it. Go, the whole album is awesome, and every song flows into the next song in like kind of a progressive sense, um, and it goes in a few different fun directions. There's even a track that has like an acoustic has acoustic guitar and vocals. It's kind of like more stripped back than the rest of the record. And it still comes off kind of just as good as everything else. And it just shows you that, like, their songwriting is good as well as their sonic trickery. Um, and, uh, but yeah, don't listen to the last song. The last song is, like, it's pretty good, but it's really just kind of, like, draining because it's just the same groove forever, forever almost like a, a a track off of, um, oh, God, what was the band that released The Seer? 
Uh, swans. It's almost like a swans swans track, the last track. Not I that it's as dark or anything like that, but it's just um. I did kind not of like to be kind. Repetitive and, I and grating. To any other swans. grating. Oh, um, I th- I actually like the seer way more than to be kind. Um, I've heard really good things. I have it downloaded. I've I would listen to the seer and see what you think because the seer, to be kind what is I like think? huh seer. Yeah, what you, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I seer what you did there. Um, Shit. But yeah, honestly, the, yeah, just ignore the last track and the yeah. And it's it's so much happier than shoegaze is is another thing and like I know I'm going on about this because I like I really like gave this one like uh, a lot of time and it was really just so up my alley that I can't help it. Um, but like just yeah, imagine like shoegaze that isn't like sludgy slow. It's so much better, so much mathier, and so interesting. Some of the things that they've like techniques that they've like employed on this album are. Um, so much more like innovative and fascinating than like a lot of the shit that's happening in rock music right now even if like even all the other like big records that have come out this year in rock like have been i mean i haven't heard anything like in a, in a long time yeah, that, I've, like, that's like experimented with rock in the same in the sense that these guys are experimenting with rock in my um, top- i would say that their vocals sorry no you're go, good i was gonna in my say top 20 albums yeah. i was just gonna say i have like three um actually kind of two i have two albums that i rockest you know yeah everything else is like pop hip-hop oh, radio. Dude, that um, was honestly, like this year well that's the know? thing is like hip-hop is like is like taking over hip-hop is like actually taking over music right now it's kind of like finally hit the point where it's not just like an accepted thing in the mainstream it's like literally becoming the genre of the generation in the sense that like all the rappers are the rock stars that all the kids are looking up to yeah everybody's trying to dress like hip-hop uh everybody's trying to like i mean everybody's trying to dress like everybody's trying to dress like rappers nobody's trying to dress like rock stars anymore you know or at least most more kids are trying to be yeah in that way people are trying kids are trying to act that way it's just like the entire culture has shifted um to the point where like two like three years in a row i think it's been or no, two years in a row, uh, it's been, like, um, like the best albums of the year have been, like, Run the Jewels and To Pimp a Butterfly and Good Kid, Mad City and Yeezus. It's, like, literally the strongest releases of the past, like, this whole decade, starting with, like, 2010. With with, with co- My Beautiful Dark Twisted exactly, Fantasy. <laughs> exactly. He kind of yeah. kicked it off for this, for this whole decade. Yeah. Has literally, every year has just been hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't surprise i mean that's like another aside but it's like it's not surprising at all that like i was noticing that too whenever we went when we were going over our singles list and our music videos list and every single list we've done so far it's literally just been like they've been like heavily loaded yeah it's like you're, so you're few and far between things that aren't hip-hop really because that's what everybody's experimenting with right now because that's what everybody has the tools to experiment with not everybody can afford fucking a million like pedals and amps and yeah. and chords and guitars and shit like that so kids just don't do it they're just gonna get a laptop and fucking make fat beats i think a lot of it too um for me personally at least is i tend not to like um actually you know like in the in my 20 if if, if this was like a list of 25 i'd probably have like father john misty on there or something you know so there's yeah. some folksier artists that lyrically grab me but there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of that kind of music that really grabs me from a musical perspective. Like when I'm looking for artists and I see like uh, indie rock or an alt rock, I don't immediately go 
oh yeah i'm interested in that or like oh yeah this is going to be groundbreaking in any way you're just gonna be like no yeah. obviously these people are just trying to like run like they're just trying to like do something that's already been done but when or I they're see... just like, running around in somebody else's like tracks you know yeah when i see some weird ass album cover and i see it's like abstract hip-hop or i see it's like um like a ambient or down tempo release i'm like fuck i want to see what that's about you know what i mean it's yeah. it's I, I guess it's just like a, a little i guess you're right it is really that like the generational thing yeah there's no such thing as like it's like honestly i think a lot of people said this is like there's no more rock stars anymore like that's not even a thing anymore no our culture yeah. just is just completely shifted away from it it's just not a thing mm-hmm. you want to talk about shmoo some more or you you good um let me see am i, am I i'm all schmooed out um I guess I'm all schmooed out. You go Shmuda, for it. Yeah, so that's I, your number, what is your number eight? My number nine. Number nine. Is 2814's album, and then it's some Japanese symbols. I looked up a translation, and it translates to, roughly translates to, A Birth of a New Day. Um, this was the ambient and not really, but sort of vaporwave album that really exploded this year. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to this at all? Yeah, I, g- I gave it a couple listens. Um, yeah, it really impressed me. Uh I like ambient music a lot, but it's something that I don't dedicate a lot of, like, discovery to necessarily. Like, I don't, like, look for ambient music. If I, like, stumble across it or someone's like, you really need to hear this, I'll check it out. But um, I I generally just really like it when I do. Um, This was cool because it took ambient music. And I would say, like, a lot of people say it's Vaporwave, mostly because the two producers that made it make Vaporwave primarily. Yeah. But I don't think it actually has any... Vaporwave sounds. Oh, it doesn't. To it. it doesn't feel like vaporwave at all. Honestly, it sounds like um, it just sounded like sometimes it was an ambient and sometimes it was like deep house. Yeah, and that was all I really felt like the entire time. I was gonna say it sounds like an ambient album with influences from trap music. Uh, there's really? a there's a lot of backing beats and stuff that sound like slowed down trap stuff. There's a lot of um like city sounds in it like at the very yeah. the very first track there's like sirens that are going off and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. um it it i feel like it really sets a whereas most ambient mu- music it'll set like a mood or a tone this really like the album cover i think is really what um starts you thinking about it i think this is really interesting too that the album cover for this sets your mood up for where you're going almost like a lot of albums that album cover like looks cool and it's or and it might like give you a sense of how out there how like mainstream this artist is going to be something like that yeah but this really like i looked at the album cover and when i went into the music knowing what that album cover looked like i experienced the world that they kind of built you know what i mean yeah and it's is this in a chinese artist no was, they're what, what they're both british they just use japanese symbols because oh, they're the, fucking, oh that's the, that's japanese letters yeah that's japanese oh, they're lettering just trying to be trendy okay they're no it's just because that's vaporwave is that is stuff. that the is that the world that they're in that that's, that image that image is like a yeah it's like a cyberpunk world thing uh, it's supposed to be two eight one four is like the year, you know. So it's like oh, supposed okay. to be like a future. Oh, cyberpunk I had no clue world. about the actual story of it. Honestly, when I listened to it, I, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was really solid. It was surprisingly like addicting to listen to. Yeah. Um, I listened to it a few. I just like would listen through the whole thing a few times and be like, mm-hmm. "Damn, this thing is already done." Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of like what you're talking about with uh, with uh, if you don't even if you don't believe. Yeah. Um. Honestly, it never, um, you can, this is something where you can just have it on and it won't like ever invade your like, 
your your attention if you don't want it to. Yeah. But if you do just want something to hone in on while you're driving or something like that, it's great. Yeah. Um, really, really solid. Um, I think there's there's one track near the end. It was the seventh or eighth track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like it all. There's something about I can't remember off the top of my head because it's an ambient album. It's really hard for me to like mm-hmm. differentiate. But there was like a certain beat or something they used that I was just not a fan of. But the last track really redeemed it. Um, it was like great. Most of the album is fantastic. Like it's my number nine for a reason. It's like a really good ambient um, album, and I actually do think that despite it not necessarily being like a vaporwave release, it did take a really unique take on the genre. Yeah, so. completely. Like honestly, I don't think it. Like if for it to for it to technically be wave vaporwave means that it's bending vaporwave's like genre boundaries by a lot. Yeah, um, a lot of the reason people are called or people refer to it as vaporwave is, is because two creators are yeah, vaporwave artists. Yeah, they put it out on a dream catalog. Which, oh, okay, which is like uh, vaporwave. One of the guys uh, is Hong Kong Express, who founded Dream Catalog. Oh, right, right, right. right. Um, so like he's like a huge vaporwave artist where he founded a record label based around it. Yeah. There's that. Um, and there's the aesthetic of it, like this future nostalgia kind of thing, which is kind of a, what vaporwave tries to do a lot of the time is give you nostalgia, the past future. Yeah. Like give you nostalgia. Like Tokyo is basically where this is taking place. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, really, really good album. Um, it's, I think it's my, yeah, it's the only like ambient thing that is even kind of on my list. And it, probably my favorite just straight electronica album of the year so like check it out it's really good what's your number eight yeah yeah your number number eight my number eight it's saint catherine by ducktales i've been a fan of like ducktales releases is ducktales psych rock they're like a psych pop okay thing honestly i've heard this name but i've never listened to them they're, they're a really solid uh band um they uh Sometimes they sound like chamber pop almost, really. Uh, they, um, they're they not very psyche in terms of, like, uh, being wildly psychedelic so much as just having probably a lot of, like, callbacks to, like, 60s sounds and stuff like that. A lot They use a lot of, like, reverb and, and like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they, have, they use a lot of reverb, essentially, is what it sounds like. Um, but... Uh, I just like I remember hearing the first track off this album on the radio one time when I was driving home from one of our mutual friends, um, Matt Sikors. Oh, okay. Yeah, and like, I guess I just name dropped, huh? All right. Well, anyway, Boom. for our friend Matt. Um, mm-hmm. but but yeah, we have it was a just, lot of Matts. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, but like this track came on. It was uh, it was called like the Disney Afternoon or something like that. It turned out to be the opening track on this album and probably the single for this album too. And I just remember being like immediately gripped by the uh, the keys, like the keyboard like tones mm-hmm. uh, that immediately pop out at you, and they just kind of like they're just like eh, eh, eh. and I'm making it sound really unpleasant, but it's actually really really pleasant. <laughs> I played the album one time actually here for all of us. It was over the summer. This was actually one of the earlier releases for 2015. Um, okay. And every time I've come back to it, I've been pleasantly surprised. It's just a really, like, easygoing, like a Disney afternoon. It's just a really easygoing um, record with lots of really just, like, smooth um, and really, really charming uh, 
guitars and keys all throughout um and all of the uh the singing is like very soft like mm-hmm. um very so waif sounding yeah very wavy sounding dudes um <laughs> and uh yeah nice i mean yeah i mean i don't know much more to say about it but yeah cool that's a good one my number eight i'm not gonna dig too much into because it's fucking it's third side of tape by little ugly Mane. okay third side of tape is maybe three hours long two and a half three hours long mm-hmm. and it's a collection of Lil ugly Mane's um beats that he's made from 1999 to 2012 so it literally spans over 10 years of like stuff he's made and like if the name wasn't clear enough he's put out three of these collections and this one is the one that got the most popular and i've heard it's the strongest one because of how varied it is like i was just talking about little ugly mane and his weird influences and production styles this album is like more so this album is literally nothing but beats and uh instrumentals there's none of his rapping um and so it's a lot of like there'll be like a like there's like six 20 to 30 minute tracks and each one will be like there'll be like a few minutes of one beat and then a few minutes of another beat and stuff and it'll go there's um black metal harsh noise uh boom bap hip-hop uh instrumental or like more experimental hip-hop there's like surf rock stuff there's alternative rock like he goes all over the place he tries so much shit out on this album and like it's crazy that a two and a half hour collection of throwaway beats can be one of the best releases of the year but it is it's so fucking strong the only real downside i'd say it has is it's so long and there's so much on it that, well, that's what it is it's you know like, it's like it's just like it's this, not it all just all this guys good, like you know like played playtime like he yeah. was just like it was just everything he just basically just like cut and paste together all this like yeah all the throwaway beats that he just like played with throughout like the year for how long has he been working on this like how do you oh. know how long this catalog stretches back this, the third side of tape <laughs> yeah. is from 1999 to 2012 so wow. it's 12 or 13 years worth of material wow no wonder there's so much of it <laughs> yeah that's insane so no wonder like, it's so varied as well and he just kind of like put it together i wonder if he put it together all in order of like how he made it logically or if he just kind of like put things like one thing might be from 1999 one thing might be from like 2010 i think he literally probably has a box full of tapes and he was just like let's rip this one and see what like he probably just like went through all his old shit and was like oh shit i remember when i made that and then he just like started like finding like that was actually pretty good i'm gonna put this in and like just ended up making this like um oh a collage of yeah of of his works and it comes together like really well and just knowing that information about it makes it sound so much better because i gave it one lesson one time and I was like really blown away by it, but it was also just like not something that I felt ever felt like I would be compelled to just sit down and listen to yeah. for any given reason. I don't really, uh, I I haven't listened to it since it came out. I, I've gone through it maybe once or twice. It was like I listened to it a lot driving. It's really good driving music. Oh, it's got to be. I mean, he doesn't rap over at all. Is there nope. any rapping on any of it? Well, there's like some vocal sampling that could have been him. Like he could have sampled himself. It sounds uh, like. Yeah, but like, but it's, I mean, he's, but it's he's not. not he's like, not really rapping. It's yeah. just like a. It's like maybe like a, a single bar that he just like looped or something. Yeah, and it's I heard that like from moment to moment it cha- the sounds change up so much. Yeah, it's yeah it's a lot to listen to, and um, because there's so much, not all of it is going to be the same quality, you know. But there's so much consistent quality on it that it it manages to make it pretty high on my list. So yeah, what's your number seven? 
My number seven is FKA Twigs, Melissa. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I realize that it should probably be somewhere in my top ten list if it was like the two, if like those music, if that like the music video for that whole EP, yeah, was was <laughs> my number one. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of it musically? Yeah, I know, it? musically, oh my god. It's hard to separate from the video, honestly, once you see the video. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now that I've now that I've seen the video, sometimes I'm like, oh god. But yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, wow, the, Im- the imagery of it. But yeah, the uh, it's a lot of like Future garage stuff and um, a lot of R&B stuff. It's very slow. Some moments... Um, are very like made intentionally spacious so that you can just enjoy her voice which is very very unsettling she is just weird as fuck like she is just the weirdest of the weird and she says things that are just like intentionally like to just make you feel weird she's like yeah no that pose for me and i think she said i'm your doll and stuff like that yeah she talks she talks a lot about if she used to be she started as a backup dancer right yeah She's probably done. She's probably had so much experience with like show business and stuff like that. She Being it feels like sexualized almost. Yeah, it feels it like sounds she, like she sexualizes herself. Yeah, it sounds like her the whole but in thing like is a, a very like attacking people who do it kind of way. Yeah, I feel like what she's doing, she's like trying a very to, bitter way. She's trying. I feel yeah. I feel like she, she's doing is she's basically like, um, like making a statement by yeah. doing it. She's like creeping you out in the way that like she's been creeped out by people. Who have like tried to mess with her in that way at least that's how it seems i can't really say i mean the based on the video which like goes into depth about her like uh, like it, it like starts to depict her like getting pregnant and it shows all these different like male power power fantasies versus like female power symbols and stuff like that it seems like like and based on the lyrical content um it all seems to be pointing towards arguments about about like like relationships between men and women female sexuality also show like show business and and um fame and fame and music and yeah music culture and stuff like that it seems like it has a lot to do with her experience as well and it's all in terms of lyrical content in terms of the way it sounds a lot of it is um she sounds kind of female james blake-ish yeah well i mean yeah we've i've I've said that sometimes Mm -hmm. and like um, the more I've thought about it, in the terms more of I like, like yeah, but also her like vocal delivery, like she's not like this like somber like. Why we both know like he's yeah. Or what, what would be I like, would say that oh, my James brother Blake... and my sister don't speak. Yeah. That's like the word. I used to make him sound like he's a cowboy or something. <laughs> but like honestly, he. I think she's she has not this... more pop appeal than she does. Uh, oh, definitely. He's writing like songs that at least sound like pretty, but she's she's like trying. She's trying to sometimes she sings very nasally. Or just like super high up, um, or sometimes she does these like really like whispery vocals, but not in a cute way, just in a very like creepy, creepy yeah. in a very creepy way. And um, her production is like a really fucked up, like scary version of trap, where she'll have twittering hi hats and stuff like that come in and out, but they're not like fun party hi hats. They're like scary clown hats yeah that are coming at you down a lot yeah 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 yeah. she she slows down she really like takes trap music and slows it down so much so it really instead of sounding like fun you just get like the kind of dark side of trap yeah it just sounds really sludgy and like 
scary essentially mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah so she's almost doing something like that you would uh kind of say that um scott walker is doing she almost seems like she lives in that realm in terms of like the uh, trying of like feel that she's going for and the way she's trying to like i can totally see that and the way she's trying to intentionally create music that disturbs you that disturbs you because mm-hmm. i just don't get a sexy vibe from it um and maybe it's just me maybe i'm just like a crazy person who doesn't understand it but i think she's trying to create sort of horrific sounds um intentionally um which i would put me in, would put her in that category for me oh like more akin to scott walker and like uh, swans than with james blake ultimately yeah i can totally see that but yeah i mean I guess that's what I realistically have to say since it's kind of hard to talk about her her production styles in depth. All right. Sounds good. So uh, my (laughs) number seven and six are tied up. Uh, So for my number seven, I've got The Pythonist by Snake Feast. Oh, God. I've never heard of this. Nobody's fucking heard of this winter. (laughs) Early in the year, I was literally um, list, I was trying to listen to everything that came out. I do this every year where I just try to listen to everything that comes out if I can. Um, and uh, I went on Rate Your Music really early in the year, and I like clicked on the new releases. Mm-hmm. So literally, if someone has uploaded it, including like a band member, so like amateur stuff can be on there. Mm-hmm. It's in this list. Okay. Like people like Kanye West are right next to people that no one's ever heard of in this list. And so I stumbled across this, and I was like, oh, sludge metal. Um, sure, why not? I, I'm, I've never really been into sludge metal. It's one of the kinds of metal that uh, usually appeals to me the least, but I, was, um, I like the idea of it. I like the idea of this slow kind of... Grimy. Slow, grimy metal. So I was like, I'll check this out. And I found this album on Bandcamp, um, I'm one of four people that bought it, I think. I, I have a CD. I have a CD in the mail. I hadn't bought it originally, but I was like, I've, I've been listening to this consistently all year. And I was like, I really like this album. And I had lost my download of it. And it was it's hard to find a download of. And I was like, fuck it. I'll just buy it. I'll get the download that way. Wow. And I, I like it enough where it's fucking top 10 of the year for me. This is sludge metal that is really badly produced. And the vocals sound like shit. Honestly, the vocals, if the rest of the album wasn't so good, uh, this would not, I probably would have hated this. Just based, if you listen to the vocals alone, it's like, wow, this is terrible. But here's the thing that makes this band interesting it's a three piece. There's a vocalist, a bass player, and a drummer. Mm-hmm. The bass player plays lead, and he um, plays these like really fast grooves. It's like do 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 you know. It's yeah, like really like funk guitar, like funk almost, bass. yeah. And um, like a flea the s- the songs will they they have a lot of features from friends of theirs on this album. I'd say it's like nine tracks long, and I'd say on probably four or five of them they have features from friends okay. who play uh, viola and saxophone. Wow. And so as he's usually playing lead on the bass. Um, which is really good by itself, just the three of them. The drums, the, those two are so strong together, the drummer and the the bassist. the bassist, that the grooves that they make are just, like, infectious. They're just so fun to listen to. Really? It's really, um, it's almost like danceable metal, and it's very interesting. Oh, and, there's definitely danceable metal Oh, I know, but sludge metal usually isn't. Yeah, so, I know. Well, 
And then it's so funny that there's even sludge metal. Like, well, okay, it's because it it definitely has like a very groove metal influence to it. Yeah, I but, definitely um, want to give this a listen to see I, what the heck well, you're talking I'll, about. I'll give it to you if you want. Just keep in mind, the vocals are garbage. It sounds like they recorded them really badly, and he doesn't really... Like, I mean, live, he'd probably sound fine, but, like, it at the very least, the recording of the vocals was done awful. Like, they... I've, I've given Is this that what to, you don't like about his voice? Yeah. It, it sounds like um, there's, like, a cup around the microphone or something, so it's just echoing a lot, and it sounds really, like... It almost sounds like he's like whisper screaming like that. It sounds really, really bad. Okay. I don't know what it is about the vocals that are just that make them sound so awful, but they do. But the rest of the band is, which is only two members, but the them. That's the trick. Especially you, you with have, you have really, really bad vocals that just make everything else sound passable. No, you. There are tracks near the end, especially where they'll just like, the 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 grooves will go um, a lot. The, like he'll just be like in this really nice groove and suddenly like the saxophone the will just come in and it'll just be like Dan-na-na-na, but on a sax and yeah. it sounds like he's playing like a guitar solo on a oh, saxophone Oh wow! and they just all come in together and make this fucking like the vocals in the, that instance because they're so badly recorded they hardly ever are legible and so in those instances they just sound like another instrument Yeah, and it's huge the songs just get big, and this is where the sledge metal elements come in. They get big, and they slow down a lot, and there's just the sax going over this really, like, chugging, like, slow, like, dun dun groove. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking incredible. Is Those it? moments, oh, my God, those moments just sell the album for wow, me it's so, so strong. It sounds, I mean, it literally sold the album <laughs> for you because you decided to buy it after yeah, listening to it did. enough times because I, you like that so much. This album came out, I think, January 9th or something. It was literally one of the first two or three things I listened to it all year. It was when you were tryharding and then... January 6th. Is See, this is what you need to do. Yeah. You need to, like, stick on your, your bandwagon of, like, because, like, we could have had a list of albums that nobody's ever heard of oh, if you like, had just kept doing that all year instead of... I mean... There's a reason people hear about albums to a certain extent, though. You know, something could come out. Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, but, like, why hasn't this, like, snake, snake Poison thing, like, gotten more popularity throughout the year? Um, I think, honestly, because of the recording quality. You think so? Yeah. You think the but, voice like, there's turned people, most other people off? Nobody had heard of Leaf before this year. That's nobody, true. Nobody had heard of um, 2814 before this year because they didn't really exist. But, you know, there's there's certain artists that blow up because of their albums, you know? And I think this is an, a, a band that, um, with some better recording quality, I, I want to give the vocalist the benefit of the doubt. The band's so good. Um, the vocalist runs the record label they put out the album on. It's like an underground metal label. Um, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and just assume that it was just recorded poorly because, God, the band is so strong. Like they're ne- I'm fucking hype as shit for their next album. And I almost never... like. This is like the one of two metal albums on my whole list. One of one of three metal albums. The Panopticon one was way down on the list. This one is like, this album is so strong. It's like, it was hard for me to um, let this be topped by stuff like Death Grips. Like I was like, is do I like this more than Death Grips? That's how strong it was for me. Wow. Like there were albums that I had to like really pit it against. And it's just this nobody band that no one's ever heard of before. Whoa, but I gotta strange. say, if if anyone wants to check this band out, you're going to have to get over the vocals. It's just a like, but I think if you can get past how poorly they're recorded, 
um, and really dig into the meat of the band, which is really the the violin and the saxophone uh, pairing with the the really nice grooves, then you'll get a lot out of this. It was a very nice surprise for me this year. It was easily my biggest surprise. Those of the year. are always the best albums, honestly. Like yeah. I like I give less of a. No, I shouldn't say that. I'm about to give like this like. <laughs> this <fuck> list <laughs> exactly i'm about to say like but realistically like as much as i'm going to give a higher ranking to an artist that is just like a huge commercial success and like everybody's doing the same everybody's fucking circle jerking the same like pop and hip-hop like albums to the tops of yeah, every I mean, list but you're like you know you you discovered schmoo this year and exactly like, and that's know, just like that really made was what that, made my fucking year yeah like you might have just like that one artist i'm just like man like but like i want more music from them and yeah. like they're so up my alley and like you might have everything else is kind of, kendrick, everything else is like cool but like, but, yeah i get what you mean like i i really like like kendrick and death grips but i it's like almost sensory overload like you hear about them or their music all the time and then there's this artist like if fucking snake feast no one's heard of snake feast before no one knows who this band is it's like i only have to hear about this band or hear their songs when i want to and it's like this special like thing so yeah that's that's my number seven what is your number six okay it's uh yg cooking soul and dj drama california living have we not spoken about this album fucking enough yet this mixtape oh and it wasn't those three. It was YG, uh, DB the General, and Blanco. Cook and Soul and DJ Drama hosted it. Cook and Soul's the producer. Oh fucking! Why is it? Well, that's why it's. That's what it's titled. <laughs> that's weird. Okay, well, whatever. So yeah, that's right. It was Blanco. Is Blanco the guy who's like got that really high voice? I don't know. It might be. There's DB the General too, which is the other rapper that was on it. Gosh, who, there's whoever, so many whoever, names on this. Whoever trip. that guy is, the guy, the one guy who's got like the really the. Driving like I'm local. Who's got like the really high pitched voice? He was like on every track, so he's one of those like main uh, dudes in their crew. Um, is he the bad one? He's the bad one. He's like the <laughs> high pitched like. You know who's the best one? Who's the best one? The Mr. Balls melting in your oh mouth. God, DJ Trauma. I'm so sick of that, dude. I have not listened to the interludes in a long time. It's so <laughs> dumb. Um, but yeah, every track off the off the mixtape is awesome, and there's only like six actual tracks, and they're all really solid. One of the tracks actually sounds like a, um, like a tra- like. Have you guys ever played Sonic Adventure Two? It sounds like a Knuckles level track with that <laughs> ki- that type of like hip hop, and it makes you realize that either uh, my taste in music has sunk so low that I think that something that sounds like a Knuckles level track is good, or maybe it turns out that John Suo or whatever the f-, f his name is that composed that album is actually kind of a genius. Maybe. Um, Anyway, uh, the album is uh, just, like, really, like, solid G-Funk uh, West Coast hip-hop thing. Um, it's not as, like, like cliche in, in, in the sense that it's, we- it's, like, classic West Coast, as you'd expect. It's not constantly, like, having, like, funk synthesizers, high-pitched, like 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 they're not just yeah. constantly like wailing over bass lines like there's, there's a other, lot of more modern that's definitely sounds. what's there's definitely what happens on drive like a loco or whatever but driving like i'm loco yeah but like i think that was just them trying to like harken back to to the to the greats um and of course they have like that big single g thing um but that's just a really good hook i, I don't, like how we call g thing a big single <laughs> like 
It, it Is was, it? it? It wasn't at all. Was it not? No. Really? No, no one's heard this song. Most YG fans didn't know this album was coming out. This mixtape has it. No, I saw. Um, no, I've seen like on different websites that like. Oh, it was been... on websites, but it was not a big single for YG at all. This mixtape was sort of throwaway as far as his career goes. God, this mixtape is so fucking <laughs> <No>. good. <laughs> throw it. Honestly, that that fifty cent uh coast that fifty cent uh track, Nipsey hustle track, the, the I wanna bends that track uh blew up too. That it, track it got did. a lot of circulation. Well, it's got fifty on it, you know. Mm. It's yeah, got fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I don't know what else I was gonna say about this thing. We said so much about this fucking album, though. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's really good. It's, it's really like, good if you like West Coast hip hop. You know, it's definitely my favorite fun hip-hop record of the year uh like yeah because like favorite I, party rap album yeah absolutely because like kendrick lamar is like bummer and death grips isn't even rap really <laughs> it's like it's it's like it sounds like i don't know if it's punk or metal or what it, or, oh, or hip-hop I, I, i've stopped thinking of death grips as a hip-hop project i've stopped thinking a yeah. lot of stuff. I've really just stopped thinking of it as any one genre. It's just hip hop. It's just or not hip hop. It's just like death grip genre. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of it more as industrial or like punk music now than anything. Yeah, it always has just felt like it was almost like hardcore music. To be perfectly honest, yeah. that's kind of like been like his delivery of his like lyrics no, and stuff no, like that. We've got death grips on both our lists. Let's wait. <laughs> let's let's wait. Oh, especially with this. Especially with Jenny Death, I would have to say that I'm just kidding. Um, go ahead. Okay. For number six. six. Yep. Fuck. So this is tied with the Snake Feast album for me. So okay. same level. What we're doing two sixes for you? Or wait. No, no. You, I, you, I just, you I had have them numbered okay. seven and six, but they're like. But they're, they're the same in your they're, head. They're the same in my head. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is Liturgy's the artwork? Oh. This was the first album I ever you, gave you on the podcast. Yeah, you sure gave that to me. I did. This album is uh, honestly. Fuck. I've listened to this album a lot, and I still feel like it's one of the albums where I have to disclaimer yeah. say like say like I need to give it more listens. But honestly, I don't know if I do. I, I just, just don't think feel compelled to listen to it ever because it's it's so much. Yeah, there's it's a lot. A lot of weird and is it fun things. enough? Like ultimately, you have to like even if it's not an album that you're supposed to have fun with, you're still kind of like you have to enjoy it. You have to really. like have this moment where you're like I like. There's a moment at, in my day in which. I could potentially just have the desire to sit down and like do nothing but listen to this, and oh, I I've never. Had that. I, I, oh, I have really? that. Oh, really? You had that? Well, I then... love this album. Well, shit. Well, it's... I mean, it did. It is pretty high up on your list. Yep. So the MIDI um, instrumentation is honestly the digital. The digital, yeah. The digital instrumentation. The the guitars playing midi basically instead of guitar tones it did a lot for me like um the the album is so fucking big and it's so uh it's so experimental like they're trying out such weird shit uh i just i really loved it i felt um i felt like this is almost almost the apex of liturgy's sound like i really feel like they've built to set something like they've been building the sound with their first couple albums into this one. This is their third album. I got it. Did you were you really into their other stuff before, or did you um, like? I listened to Liturgy like... because we were going to that show. Oh, that was just, why I listened to Liturgy. You dug into their stuff, and I was like, I was like, 
um, I had an interest in the artwork because I heard it was like a metal album with MIDI instruments instead of guitars and stuff, and I was like, that sounds weird as fuck. I want to check that out. So I... Wait a second. I don't want to go too much of a side, but did we start the podcast because of that show? No. Um, uh, I was already thinking about doing it, and I was like, do you want to do this? I think I asked you when we were going to that show if you wanted to do it. Oh. So Really? Yeah. Um, And I gave you this album because you were like I haven't listened to it even though we had already gone to the show and shit and I was like fuck um I own this album too I have this on vinyl because I got it at the show oh god vinyl <laughs> I wonder how it sounds on vinyl <laughs> shit I I don't know if I've actually listened to it I don't have speakers for my my uh record player so it's just headphones a in? yeah and and it there's like an in built-in speaker unit but it's really shit I have some that I just need to like thread the copper wire and into it and stuff but i oh, haven't God, what a hassle yeah but um yeah uh i don't know how to describe this album it is a black metal album sort of uh but i would say it's more of it's just avant-garde metal i really don't know how to describe it there's lots of horns there's lots what of I remember, elect- lots of chanting lots of synthetic horns and bells lots of gregorian chant sounding vocals um, Lots of reference, lyrically references to both the past and the future. Yeah. And it's a, definitely a combination of past and future in terms of the instruments and the sounds that they use and yeah. the techniques they employ like with his voice. Like a, it almost sounds like a synthetic uh, Rome or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a future, future Rome. Rome. Like future people, Rome. What, people, a, what a vapor thing. Yeah, for real. Welcome this to is, Future Rome. This is the Vaporwave album of the year. <laughs> There's actually a like a really cool thing i'm about to go off on a tangent about uh okay is a there's a movie called titus which is a uh it's a gladiator movie right it's titus is at least the one that i saw i think it's about titus andronicus mm-hmm. i think it's i think that might be like the a, band huh like the band titus andronicus not titus is it titus andronicus anyway the movie's called titus and it has anthony hopkins and it's oh i'm gonna sit up for this description um and i think titus is a play by shakespeare i'm not absolutely sure because the way they deliver all their lines throughout it seems like it's all written in iambic pentameter it's really weird sounding or at least it was like originally it had to have originally been a play it's so crazy it's so long but the opening sequence is of this like little boy and he's in his room and he's playing with it on his table and his table's just covered with shit his like living room like 1950s style table with all these like different foods and he just starts like mashing it all in his face as a little boy and he's just like picking up can cakes and he's just like blah, 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 and like he's like getting on the top of the table and just like making a mess and just throwing shit and then all of a sudden like a bomb goes off in the background and he's like ah and then like the the fucking windows shatter inward like because like as if uh, explosions were happening outside and then you hear gunfire in the background and stuff like that and then um a dude in like a gas masks uh, comes in and he like he like t- picks up the kid and like takes him out of the house and he like takes him through a doorway and down these steps and then they bring him down to these steps and then suddenly they're like down these steps of this coliseum this underground coliseum what the fuck and then when they're they're in Is this it about future they're, they're, they're in this way for it and then there's this this coliseum and then like uh then this like fucking army of like uh of like rusted copper soldiers roman soldiers start like michael jackson like slowly walking in like like troops line by line 
and then Anthony Hopkins comes in from behind them with a chair on a chariot, like, whoosh, whoosh. and then, um, and there's like this weird like synthesizer music going on in the background, and then that little boy, he's not an actual character, he's just like basically this like weird uh, dude who's just walking around like unnoticed in all the scenes throughout the film. He's just like kind of like almost like a ghost essentially who actually has no relevance except for that opening sequence that they just keep him. That's um, bizarre. And it yeah, it and the whole aesthetic of the film felt like it was the future but it was also Rome, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. It was like a modern take on the Roman Empire and it was almost like the idea was like this play is happening in a timeline in which the Roman Empire never fell and just continued until today. Fuck. But so, yeah, but yeah, the, but that was yeah. That's this that, is the music they would be making if Rome was still around. Yeah, this is what Nero would be playing on his uh, on his future Nero. future violin as Nero, Rome burned. I think Nero was one of the most evil emperor dudes. I don't know if he was an emperor or if he was like yeah. A, he was the guy that burned down Rome. Was he the dude that burned down Rome? Yeah, that's why I was saying he. There's like why did he do that? Okay, um, just go. What's uh, your <laughs> Liturgies, the artwork is really good, but it's really fucking weird, so you might not like it. What's your number five? <laughs> how uh, how are we ever gonna move on from from that? I was that just gonna aside? do that. That's how. Were you always just planning on just being I, fed I up with of, me? I thought of cutting you off much earlier. Than I yeah. Did. <laughs> What's I, your number five? I don't like shit. I don't go outside because of Nolan crushing my creativity. God, Earls, yeah. Man, we talked about that real recently. About Earl? Yeah. When? On the podcast when I gave it to I you. I know. Um, so, Earl Sweatshirt is a United States rapper from California. He's friends with a guy named Tyler the Creator. He, what are uh, you he, doing right he's, now? I'm joking. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm joking. God damn, we're slipping into madness. We're not slipping into madness. It's fine. <laughs> this is taking forever. This is, I'm tired. Uh, we're gonna do this. It's okay, guys. We're all th- we're all in this Ooh. together. Okay, you go, we got it. We got it. We, we're doing it. Yeah, we gotta just. Um, so Earl um goes to a very very dark place, and he just gets darker and darker with each release. He used to do like horror core kind of stuff, like in terms of like what he was lyrical describing. Content, yeah. In terms of lyrical content, yeah. Um, and then he went into like a dark territory with his sound and with what sounded like a lot of depression with uh, Doris. Mm-hmm. And now he's coming to a much more mature realization of this dark dream that he's been crafting um, for years now. And I think it's a. A moment where he's been able to stand, uh, you know, with a straight back, and like know what the hell he's doing with, like, without you know, odd future or anything like that. Uh, needless to say, there's like two tracks that sound just like Tyler the Creator's production, um, the opening track and the closing track. But the rest of it is yeah. very dark, 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 dismal, um, and like infectious and hypnotizing and it's all his own production which is the coolest thing yeah um i think so, left brain had a credit on one track yeah so uh, but uh yeah the we said a lot about it um we've said a lot about what he talks about in terms of lyrical content about him just like being depressed and being famous and just like not like being satisfied and just i guess he just bitches about like a lot of things he talks about smoking weed all the time mm-hmm I don't know. 
Seems like an unhappy dude, but he made some pretty good music this year. Yeah, he did. Yep. All right, my number five is Flockavelli 1.5 by Waka Flocka Flame. <laughs> yep. All right, Flockavelli 1.5. Um, fuck, the more I listen to it, the more I think it might have topped the original Flockavelli for me. Mm. You know what? I don't actually think that's true. I've been saying it, but I've had more time. I'm not sure if I believe that. I think you just, like, love Flockavelli so much that, like, this is just the, like... It's just more of what I love. It's just more, and you just, like, want it to be the next even better. Yeah, maybe Flockavelli 2 will top it, but this this is really good. This is a definite return to form for Waka Flocka. His last album was, like, kind of... It was good, but it was not, like, not nearly living up to his last album. Um... There's so many, uh, there's like so much more variety on this album than there was on Flockavelli for sure though. There's tracks like um, AM to PM is really, really dark. It sounds uh, like, uh, almost like um, if Earl, like this Earl album that we've been talking about. Everybody this year did the like super dark if thing. He, if he was making a trap song, it would be AM to PM. Like it's fucking really dismal there's never usually in trap music there's a place where the beat picks up and it gets really hype it never gets there oh. it just like stays like really low and um almost like a brooding beat yeah. like the first time i listened to it i was waiting for it to pick up and it didn't i was like fuck this is really cool it just stays like this kind of quiet angry like feeling to it um blood brother is a really fun track it features some of the guys that were on the original Flaccavelli, some of his like old crew from like back in the day that are like nobody rappers like nobody knows who these fucking people are they're not that good but they're like funny as hell and Flaca just like he he spits like really fast and hard on it like he's like yelling and stuff uh it's just like a really fun moment from him and there are a lot of those like moments on this album that like really i guess this like whereas Flaccavelli was like a holistic experience mm-hmm. this one has a lot more moments on it there's like a lot of oh like little moments you can take away and yeah. stuff where you're just like that was great yeah um i heard that it yeah this, i heard that in general flock of this this release 1.5 wasn't it didn't actually have a lot of like of him just like laying down verses yeah and just no. like rapping it was, rapping it's just like a lot of like there fun party of, crazy silliness yeah. all over the place there are a lot of really strong hooks on it too there's yeah. a, a song called m-o-n-e-y that has just like a really fun like what's that spell out of control hook spells money bruh yeah, spells money sure does um this album's fucking great i i love waka flocka i've always loved his energy and his delivery and the beats he chooses to go over and he just brings all of that right back like it's 2010 all over again i mean like it's like it, it's definitely the um evolution yeah it's definitely progressed to where trap is at now it yeah. just sounds like waka is you know, he's taking his old street sound and he's mixing it with like a modern trap. Same flavor. old Waka. Same old Waka. Just and I fucking love it. It's exactly what I wanted from yeah. him. It sucks that he con- constantly is just like talking stupid shit. And he said something uh, really uh, sexist recently. And he had that transphobic thing earlier in the year. I'm like, man, Waka, you just breaking my heart all over the place. But you know what? The music's still good. I gotta ask you, good. you really like him, mm-hmm. so if he just completely ruined his image by just doing something just wildly fucked up, would you just, like, would that just, like, color your, like, experience with his music um, and you just have to be like, I can't be his fan, like... 
I am a big proponent of separating the artist from their art. But like, I I've listened to Burzum and he burns down churches. So <laughs> he burns down churches. Burzum went to prison for arson because he was burning down churches because he's a Satanist. It's pretty metal. Yeah, it's really fucking metal. Um, so fucking I think metal. I. So I think I would continue to listen to Waka Flocka's music and I would continue to enjoy it um, as long, like, if the, if his political... I don't know, man. Or, I, can't, I can't listen to, like, Chris Brown, like... Oh, I don't like Chris Brown. That's the thing. If, the, if his social, um, if his views on these kinds of issues that he's saying that pisses me off so much were to filter into his music, like, if he were to make about a song about how how trans people are evil or some shit yeah i would probably hate it just because that lyrical content would be in the song and it would just be ruining the song actively i guess i mean but, honestly like we listen to dmx all the time yeah. like our whole friend group does and but here's we've not even i think we would enjoy it ironically though i think mm-hmm. in a sense we're just laughing at dmx oh yeah we're definitely laughing i'm laughing at dmx i don't know about everyone else but i definitely am yeah um yeah. Uh, I think, honestly, I would continue to listen to his music, but I wouldn't support him. Like, uh, I bought Flaccavelli. At this point, I'm not sure if I would pay money for Flaccavelli too because of the shit he said. I would still probably listen to it, but I don't know if I could support him in good faith. Well, that's fucking that's heavy. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that you that you went out and said it because like I feel like that's a tough question for me to force you to answer. No. Yeah. Um. I've I thought a lot about it because he's been doing this so regularly. You're like, you am know? I like a like a like a financially I, backing fan for this person? Yeah. Um. I don't. I'm not sure. I think it. I'd have to wait till the album comes out and really make a decision then. But yeah. at this point, I don't know. All right, man. What's your number four? Um. <sighs> This one I haven't given as much time to listen to, but when I have listened to it, it's been pretty solid. It's um Vince Staples' Summertime 06. I haven't listened to this at all, so you can school me on this one. Okay. I'm really interested. I, okay. So Vince Staples, he was, released that music video, the I one guess, about... Was Vince Odd Future affiliated at one point? <sighs> he definitely had a track on... Speaking of Earl Sweatshirt, Earl Sweatshirt released a track called, I think it was Hive or Chum on Doris where Vince Staples was like the feature and he just wrecked it. Or maybe that was Casey Veggies. No, I think it was Vince Staples. Casey I'm pretty sure. Veggies didn't wreck anyone on a track. <laughs> He's... Yeah. I, I don't know why I always mix up Vince Staples and Casey Veggies it's in my head. because they were, they were um, both on the same track on Bastard, I think. That's probably what it was. But um, So basically, I've always had those two confused in my head. But the funny thing is, Vince Staples is fucking gr- good and Casey Veggies is uh not as good as Vince yeah. Staples. That's all I need to say so realistically. I th- okay, I just um, looked it up. He was friends with the dudes in Odd Future, but he was never like a member. Yeah, he clearly is a friend because he was yeah. definitely like he did stuff with Earl at a minimum he did stuff mm-hmm. on that track and that track is so good because of that verse actually are at you the talking end. About Chum or are you talking about Wool? I think are you talking it's Wool either was the one on the new album. No 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 it's on the old track. I think it's Chum that he was yeah. on, right? It was on the end of Chum where he's in that car. In the oh, music video, sure. I haven't seen the music oh, video. Oh, f- uh, yeah, they're good music videos too for both of those tracks. I think they're the same director. He um, he fucking killed Wool too. So I mean, on shit, I don't even remember what Wool is like. the very I, last track on, on Doris. On I don't like shit. Don't go outside. Oh, f- Vince Staples has that first verse. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, it's so funny because um, and he's so good on it. Yeah, that's right. I just can't remember any of the track names on on I don't like shit. I don't go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Vince Staples. We've been talking, like, a lot about 
dark hip-hop beats no oh, is this more of that it's more of that <laughs> it's so sad because it's more of that but it's like an hour-long album this album is like 59 it's a double mi- album right or sort of album? it's oh. like 50 minute, 59 minutes so it's basically an hour long uh-huh. and it's split into two parts um where it like it starts with this weird like 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 orca sound or something like that it's like a siren or something like that that goes off and kicks off like the first like beat um that's got this kind of like um for lack of a better probably a more appropriate term it sounds like this guy like this arabian like synthesizer melody going on with this dark rumbling beat in the background and honestly every single track is like a dark rumbling beat none of them are like big bombastic crazy fun party tracks not a single one every single one is like a kind of like mid-tempo like kind of like low kind of track um with yeah, vince only- staples really being the shining instrument um being at the forefront of the mix and like really standing out and being interesting he's not always rapping about conscious stuff but when he does rap about conscious stuff it's the best moments on the on the album there's actually some pretty epic moments with some like really complicated like instrumentation and like um organs and stuff like that that create these big explosive moments like there's some like shining moments but actually there's a lot of shit on it that i don't on this mixtape that or no this um it's a mixtape, right? On this mixtape that I, or maybe it's an album. No, it's th- an album. And this album that I don't like. There's a lot of stuff on this, like, there's a lot of, like, throwaway tracks, honestly, but there's just so much. And it's all so consistently, like, pretty good, and it all fits so well together that it's just, like, an impressive release, really, is what I would say about it. There's even some tracks that are just, like, interesting. Like, there's tracks with guy-girl vocals and it's a hip-hop track like imagine i mean it's easy to do like on a like a shoegaze track where like a guy girl vocals is just like two people going at the same time you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but this is just like they're just like flowing perfectly together in harmony um like verse after verse it's just it is it sounds so fucking trippy too it's so good and that and the beat on that track is really good too it's like a love track actually it's really funny um it's probably the the most like gushy track of them all. Mm-hmm. I think the hook had something to do about like you know, fucking being with your lady or something like. That. I can't remember exactly what it was. There's a lot of variation in the topics on the record. Actually, it like he really just like raps about like like social issue stuff. He even mentions like that whole like uh like allegory or whatever that we discussed for the music videos where we were uh-huh. talking about like the glass wall thing oh yeah for senior it's, he year. literally says that like he literally oh, really? if yeah if you go into the at the like the very i think it's like the one of the last tracks he literally like says like at the climax like some he just starts like spitting about something about the glass wall i remember that being a very cl- distinct lyric oh, okay and he just talks about like how their reality is like something that's just like like a show for 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 white people essentially yeah so he definitely like brings it home in the second half and um those are definitely the standouts um and otherwise i would highly recommend this to you nolan okay that's what i would say is like i feel like this is the only thing that i listened to this year that you didn't listen to that you would even be vaguely like like i could i could vaguely convince you to be like yeah you should probably listen to this and you'd be like yeah i was already gonna do that yeah but um so yeah, that's the case. That is the case, Nolan. You should check this out. And you guys listeners should check this out too. It's really good, but it's like kind of draining. But it's not like necessary. It's draining because it's a lot of, a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah. And also the way that it's put together, 
is like a like a mixtape because the tracks just literally cut off. They're, they're all hard cuts. Oh, really? not, not a single track on this thing ends except for at that intermission part where the first half ends and then it restarts the album as if it's restarting, but it said it's actually a whole second half. Oh, Because um, it starts up the second half at the 30-minute mark um, with the same weird, uh, like, sirens, like, low siren sound thing. So you think you just started over the album, but it's actually the whole second half, and then it goes in. And it actually has some, like, it kind of, like, uses reuses the melodies from the first um, half, and you think that you're re-listening to the first half, and then you find out, like, oh, it's not the same shit. Um, That's weird. But, yeah, and, and, it will, and for each of the halves, all the tracks in each of the halves are just, like, they don't even transition into each other. They're not even, like, composed to transition into each other. It's literally just, like, the one, like a track will just cut off into, like, the next track. And suddenly it'll just be the next track with the next beat. And I kind of like it because you just don't waste time fucking around. You're just kind of like, okay, that beat was good. Next beat, you know? Yeah. Um, which is, it's, it's like, not even jarring. It's just kind of because they're all so, like, the same tempo, kind of, like, samey instrumentation. Some of them are standouts, like I said. Um... But yeah, it's 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 very. You're gonna find yourself feeling like it's very. What'd you say? Holistic. Okay. But not That's cool. Not in necessarily a bad way. So right. give it a chance. Sweet. All right, my number four album is uh, the mixtape "Thumbs" by Bus Driver. Um, Bus Driver put out "Perfect Hair" last year, which was I think top five for me last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was like number three or four for me last year i really really liked perfect hair and i think i like thumbs better um i gave winter perfect hair early in the year and you you were really into that right i gave it a pretty good review yeah i mean i I gave it like a like a pretty high score i think like objectively i recognize that it's really really good and really interesting and different from most of the stuff that's coming out Mm -hmm. yeah but i think thumbs um i think thumbs does that um, but more so it's it still has the pop appeal that bus driver's been doing recently he used to be <clears throat> from what i understand he used to basically flow over like free jazz like he made jazz rap but it wasn't like jazzy rap it was like i'm just gonna flow over this fucking free jazz shit and it's gonna sound insane wow um, is there any of that released is there anywhere yeah, we can find that is that just his old albums it's his old albums yeah that's what I've heard. I haven't actually listened to anything really old from him. Everything I've heard from him is pretty recent. I'd love to check that out. Yeah, it sounds, sounds weird as hell. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, but this album really impressed me. Uh, the beats on this one were a lot more... What's the word I'm looking for? Glitchy, I guess. They they have a much more glitch-hop aesthetic than the, the Perfect Hair album did. Perfect Hair was a lot more... It was like weirder, more abstract hip-hop, but it was, um, it was very like a lot of the sounds that he used were the kind of stuff I've heard on Hellfire releases before, I guess. So like I've heard those kinds of beats on like a Milo album or an Open Mike Eagle album before. Um, the, the beats on this album sounded really unique to me. I don't feel like I've ever heard anything quite like this uh, on any other releases. His flows are really good. He has some really speedy flows on this album that are uh, much like more bombastic and quicker than a lot of the stuff on perfect hair and he has a lot of um a lot a lot of speedy flows and he has a lot of excellent features i'd say he doesn't waste a single feature on this album 
Milo has one of his best verses, and like his album was on my top twenty. I think this is one of Milo's best verses was on this album this year. Um, he has a really good verse from David Diggs of Clipping. Like, there's just like crazy verses all over this thing from all these like killer features. Um, it just really impressed me. This this is another album I need to sit with more, but I think I will only grow to like it more. Like, it is so um, right up my alley. It's exactly the kind of weirder hip hop I like, and. Um, I liked it more than Perfect Hair on an initial listen, listen, which is crazy because I was already so into Perfect Hair. So yeah, definitely check this out, especially if you're a Bus Driver fan because it's fucking crazy good. All right, number three? Yeah, number three for you. Duvion Stevens, Carrie and Low. Oh, fuck. Sad time. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna oh, die. I listen to this album a lot, um, and I really like it. And it... uh. The reason why I really like it is because here's why, because it's um it sounds like a really solid, like just nothing but acoustic instrumentation really from what I remember. Um, yeah, it's very um a very like minimal. S- very very minimal acoustic release, which is his kind of like a singer songwriter thing, and it just feels very Sufjan Stevens. Everything just sounds like what I've heard from him before, which. You know, it's like comfort food for me. Yeah. Whenever I put this on, I was just like, I'm just like, I just want to hear his pleasant voice because he has really the, one of the most pleasant voices really out there. Um, um, and like whenever I hear it, I'm just like, man, this is like this is so great. And then what the shit that he's saying is like the only thing like destroyed me every time I listened to it. The one where he's talking about like suicide and stuff. Oh, the only God. thing keeping me from crashing my car, Jackknife. You know oh, that my track. Fucking God. Every time I'm just like. Oh my god, I'm gonna fucking cry. Yeah. God. Yeah. And I think he, I guess what's the story of Carrie and Lel? That's like his parents. His mom died. His mom died. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well Carrie, his mom died. Yeah, Carrie yeah. Lel. Yeah, yeah. And Lel's the the stepdad, the stepdad yeah. dude who wasn't too good of a guy apparently, right? Yeah. Um lots of story. Yeah. Um Yeah. Whenever I listen to it. Like, I would just, like, I would just put it on, like, take a shower while I was listening to it and stuff like that. Or just, like, cruise and drive and stuff like that. And literally every single time, it was just, like, it touched me. And it also just, like, flew by. It it was, it's really just, like, um, musically, not wildly interesting. But a perfect, like, I guess comfort food was already the perfect word for it. Literally, like, whenever it, whenever it would come on, it was not, it didn't take any time for me to try to digest what I was listening to it was just it made sense immediately and I just like could immediately be immersed into what I was listening to and just enjoy it for what it was almost in the same sense that like when radio music comes on you can just kind of turn it on and it's just it's going and you're just not you're not even you don't have to pick it apart or think about it at all it's just happening yeah. I um, think that's um why and, it, and a lot of like what what's up I think that's why it didn't wind up on my list, actually. Yeah. Is because I actually really I enjoyed it, and um, I listened to it. I would put it on in the background a lot, but it, it is, like like you said, it's, it's so... It's not invasive or intrusive at all. It's so musically um, one-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, clearly intentionally. Clearly he's going for something with that, you know? Yeah. But it, it just, because of that, it never grabbed me enough where I could really dig into it. But, yeah, but the fact that, yeah, that, the fact that I was able to just kind of, like, roll through it so many times... And it just felt so good every single time. Um, it never felt tired or um, 
like it was reaching really it just always felt like um like a record that you know when you have a record that you're like i'm not sure if this is a fantastic record or not but you know what i do like turn it on all the time yeah like i do reach for that record more than i reach for the other ones for whatever reason i'm just in the mood to listen to this one right now Mm -hmm. maybe i'm just depressed or something like sufjan (laughs) who knows that was um that was the brace from red record for me this year I was like, man, there are definitely better records than this one, but I don't want to listen to them. I yeah, wanna you want to listen to this because <laughs> yeah. it's good. Because exactly. it's fun, like, or it's comfortable, I guess. You, you use the perfect word, like it's a comfortable record. Yeah, exactly. You can just gel right into it. So that was what it was for me this year. And I think it's not a surprise because we all grew up with like, or we, we all sort of, some for this, I'm going to assume that we all kind of like are familiar with his vocal melodies and his vocal stylings and like, his aesthetic and his like sound and stuff like that so it just kind of like clicks pretty easy and that's why i like it and that's pretty much all i have to say about it besides the fact like the storytelling that he goes into and the depressing shit that he says in every single track it just like tears me apart yeah um but i don't know if i want to like endorse that really because i don't think it's actually a good like thing (laughs) in general like i don't think what he's saying is like good and i don't like support it really i would say that like it's it i feel that way all the time i sympathize with everything that he says all the time it's it's really easy to get into the mood that he's clearly in right now Mm because it's like a big deal like if my mom died or something like that i'd probably be a a worse wreck i probably wouldn't be as productive as he was clearly um but something about like mourning with him um yeah, it's felt, very cathartic. Felt, felt cathartic and felt good. Yeah. And I'm happy to to do that. I guess so. That. Yeah, that was my number three. All right. My number three, which I believe is your number two, so we could just combo this one. I like I think um combo breaker. I think we can combo a lot of these last ones <laughs> just because we have a lot of the same top. Right. And that way, we'll save some time because we're already so over. So we're at like two hours now, right? We're, we're going to hit two hours, maybe. Uh, we're probably at 130-ish right now. Um, is Death Grips, The Powers That Be. Danny Death came out this year. Danny so Death a lot is of people, the one I like. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but um, I did not listen to uh, the first half of this album, even though it was out for a whole year, until Danny Death came out. Yeah. I listened the whole thing through. Um, so yeah, we can we can dig into this one together. It's your number two, right? Yeah, it is I my just, number two. I just assumed it it's, was because it hadn't showed up yet, and I know what your number one is. So. Yeah, it was my number two, and, and I honestly, I I was not a fan of the first half. I tried listening to the first half again recently, actually, because I was like, maybe I'm just not getting it. What is this? I need to like give it a chance, and I just like I just don't like it. I just don't yeah. like it. Um, honestly, like um. I, a friend of ours, uh, he was on the podcast. I think he mentioned this. He said how James. it was dancey. No, um, ben. ben mentioned how he thought that it was so super dancey, and I was just like, no, it's like, oh yeah, it's just too frantic, and like the samples don't work as well as as like, I think they work in terms of like creating like the like style that they were trying to go for with this like super glitched out like computer woman voice, just like freaking out and buzzing all over the place while while MC Ride weaves in and out of the track fucking hammering it down and shit but honestly like that doesn't do anything for me and it just kind of like annoys me it feels like a woodpecker just like like on the side of my head yeah. every time I hear a Bjork the Bjork micro sample shit 
So I, I don't know. I didn't feel it. But the second half, and I should. The, you know what's funny? You've been saying all this time that you need to give. Um, you need to give some records like more chances. I really didn't give Jenny Death enough of a chance because I didn't like the first half. And Jenny Death is so much better than the first half. I should have had it's more really listens, good. especially the latter tracks. Because the latter tracks yeah. are the best tracks on the fit on the album. On GP is my on GP and Death Grips 2.0 and all those yeah. tracks. And it's sad because those are the tracks I've listened to the least. Um, so I really need to give them a chance. I definitely listened to like the first half a lot, and I thought it was pretty good. It was just already a step up for me because it was just fun. Like there was so much guitar on it, yeah, which I loved. It was just so like, it just it just makes it just works for me. I think just Death Grips with guitar equals it works. Yeah. Um, honestly, general. if I was just doing Jenny Death for this, like, on my list, if it wasn't the powers that be and it was just Jenny Death, yeah. it might be my number one. Um, but I comboed it because it was my first listen, and it is a double album, technically speaking. Um, yeah. I, I actually, I think I said on our, um, our review of this when we were on the show with James, when we talked about it, that yeah. um, the first half is like an eight. And Jenny Death is like a ten for me, so it averages at about a nine. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I, I like, I like like I said, um, the first half is still really great for me. I still really enjoy it. There's uh, certain tracks that are super fun, like Big Dipper and stuff, are are just like some of the the weirder uh, MC Ride parts, I guess, mm. like where he's like like really like sounds like really bouncy and almost happy in a yeah. weird way like work for me mm-hmm. um but the the second half the really the depressing and the dark side of like s- songs like on gp in particular mm. and uh those really like heavy guitar led almost grungy sounding songs yeah. work so well for me like honestly what what this taught me is that because i like this and I also really liked um, their first album. And I think what I came to realize is that Death Grips could have formed a band. Like, MC Ride could just be the vocalist for yeah. a band in which, um, uh, what's his face? Zach Hill. Zach Hill could just be the drummer. And they could just get a guitarist and literally just have, like, a Robert th- Pattinson comes in and plays guitar. <laughs> Fucking Robert Pattinson. Then it'd be just the ultimate edge. <laughs> um, but literally, they could just have a guitarist and just have, like, a band that just has breakdowns and just fucking plays like hardcore music and oh, it would I actually literally be the same thing because his vocal delivery is just like that like two-step yeah. timing anyway i think there's um two sides of death grips there's like the edm side of death grips yeah. and there's the punk side i of mean death honestly if i if, if government I like plates both, is, if but, government plates know. has taught me anything like i like the side of death grips that is like angry loud punk like rock sounding the raucous side of yeah. it that's aggressive and stuff like when i listen to government plates i mean government plates also has some aggressive points but it's oh, like, like that first track is one of their best tracks literally it's that first track and then the rest of it just delves into like whatever yeah it's really me. masturbatory and um it yeah, seems like a little it, bit it's it really seems like it like like not everybody in the in the band was even involved in yeah. it it feels like it was really just like I guess all their releases are kind of masturbatory, but... They... Well... At least their attitude towards all their music is, you know? Yeah, they're, well, just their, their... They're, like... They're just their attitude in terms of what they feel like they can and can't do is just, in general, they just, like, kind of, like... 
yeah anyway um yeah it's just their their whole attitude in general is masturbatory like they're just masturbating so much they're never getting laid is basically <laughs> what we're taking away but um realistically uh realistically yeah i just am not a fan of of especially the second half of 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 government plates it's i mean i guess we're just discussing death grips again huh mm-hmm. um we've done that enough times yeah basically yeah. jenny death uh really i think combines the punk side and the industrial side of death grips um, which go on, together yeah well it combines it in a way that they have not done since ex-military yeah and i think it really honestly lives up to the legacy ex-military really set them up for yeah i think that's why i love it so much because ex-military was my favorite album the year it came out and then yeah jenny death really just like lives up to that i guess all right um and that was your number two as well yeah so my number two now is uh my my number one slot is tied because i really i i've been sitting trying to piece which one of these two albums i like more apart for three months and i can't do it so I'm just I like, can't believe it's even come to this that we've gotten to this point. I know. So it's my so silly. my number two, which is tied for my number one, which I'm saving because it's also your number one. So we yeah. can just talk about it at the same time. Yeah. Is uh, "Emotion" by Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, this is the best pop album I've ever heard. I'm really comfortable saying that. That this is my favorite pop album, straight up. Uh, she takes a lot of the stuff I really enjoy about electro pop which is the um, the kind of sexiness, um, the, the really fun, danceable beats that are sometimes not very... Um, they're sometimes not very... What's the word I'm looking for? There's not a lot to them, I guess. They're just like... They're, they're just, just fun, dancey beats. Yeah. yeah. And um, she combines it with a level of artistry i don't think i've ever really seen i've definitely never seen in modern pop music um she like takes she adds this these analog instruments into the uh, electronic mix on stuff like give me love with the bass line um the synthesizers on run away with me there's like so many standout moments on this album i think the only song on this album the even on the deluxe edition of this album the only song i'm not which is the one that i purchased of course of course yeah i own i think every album that has a physical release that was in my top five really yeah wow. well i own death grips i own carly ray jepson i own liturgy i own snake feast i guess the little ugly main album is the only one in my top 10 that i don't own that had a physical release wow yeah um but there, there was like one track I think it was the fifth track or something and it was like the it sounds like a 90s R&B ballad song mm-hmm. it was the only song I didn't really love on this album this album start to finish uh, amazes me and like I have never just like enjoyed an album this much I guess like there's there's albums that I've like really loved on an intellectual level or like I said I have that moment of discovery with I didn't really have that with this but there was such a you didn't pure, have to discover it yeah you know? yeah there's a pure like almost childish enjoyment of this album that um is pretty rare for me because those that kind of music i'm usually not that into like i mean i guess you know it's sort of like the stereotypical k-pop stuff would be like that you know that like childish wonderment 
but yeah yeah i mean honestly like it almost this album almost feels like a k-pop album in, in the sense that it's just like a very committed pop album yeah with sugary like sweet music that's like not there's no point where she's trying to be edgy or trying to be too preachy with her message it's just a straightforward fun times pop album yeah and I which think... you don't see very often everybody's trying so hard to be like have like a big message about civil rights or about like about like something political or or just trying to like talk about something like dark like a metal band or a punk band would yeah. you know i think what really sets this album apart from most modern pop music though it's is also not over sexualized the... yeah it's not that's i think that adds this innocentness to it that i like it that appeals to me a lot yeah um but I think the re- really the really strong production really sells it for me. I think the songwriting is really good too, but I don't think it's like anything special necessarily. Oh yeah, it's, it's really good, but it's just as good as a lot of other songwriting yeah. on pop albums, on like good pop albums, you know. Yeah. Based on my listens, it, it sounds very like well commercially produced. Like it doesn't sound like cheap at all. It sounds yeah. it sounds great. Yeah, it really like the production just sells me so hard and her voice is not i wouldn't say it's a strong voice um but it's it's very pleasant i feel like her voice is very well crafted or it the beats are the the production's very well crafted for her voice and it it makes it it sells her voice which wouldn't i wouldn't say is very strong or even necessarily very unique because she's on this production it like gives it a new or like it elevates her voice for me she always sounds very youthful yeah she sounds like almost like in like if i didn't know she was like 30 i would honestly think like is she like a disney star like or is she like is she like transitioning out of being a disney star and this is her first big album or something like that because like it almost like her her vocal like like um tone like her timbre and her voice is very much like at that point where she's like she sounds very youthful. She sounds very young and cute. Yeah. And how she's and how she's delivering things and the things she sings about. She's you know, she she talks sings about she goes to a club but not to not for that or something like that. What was how does that? I didn't trip? just come here to dance. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's a little less youthful, isn't it? It's a little mm. more seductive. I guess yeah. that's the argument. She has like a she has she has seductive moments but i wouldn't say she ever has like what i would call like sexy or sexual moments no you know what I mean? no she never tries to be like this like, like sultry is is the word like give me love is pretty seductive there's a track where she talks about i think it's on run away with me she's like talks about like making love all night or something but it's always very um playful or yeah. seductive and it's never and bouncy like, it's never just like they never like dwell on it and yeah. like like really like go into it or like even I mean, honestly what they do, i think that what they, could work but i don't think it would work for her vocal style at yeah all. what i, I think, think they, it would sound weird here's what they don't do they don't make the music necessarily match that idea like they'll have a part where she'll mention something sexual that doesn't mean that they're going to make the instrumentation suddenly take this sexual turn like have a saxophone or something come in and make it weird mm-hmm. they just kind of like have her say something about it or she's you know wrote something to say something like that in that moment yeah. which uh which keeps it which keeps the momentum going and the fun times rolling yep and yeah it's that's why it's tied for number one for me and then um my last number one and your yeah. number one are the same album yeah it's everyone's number one yeah it's kendrick lamar pimp butterfly yep so 
fuck what's what is there to say about what's this left album? to say about it we've we talked we spoke about it a couple times all right that was fun goodbye <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> all right ladies the end of the year not really the beginning of the new year um yeah um this album this God. album is dense uh it's really well produced uh has like a lot of really good throwback moments it's... A lot of like variation in what you have they have to offer you like there's just like this like spoken word jazz thing like going on with uh, this dick ain't free like who would have ever expected a moment like that in a on a huge hip-hop release in like <laughs> this century i definitely did not at all um but it's one of my favorite moments it just cracks me up every time i listen to it yeah. king kunta is clearly like a g-funk kind of track it sounds like something that like dr dre might have produced for him yeah my favorite um, tracks on there were uh, like these walls it's so fucking sexy but oh, like yeah. it has like an old school vibe to it like oh, a lot God. of like old funk sounds Pretty girls say hey, hey yeah honestly um and you you is my you is probably my favorite track the the beat transition with the knocking and the weird like panning oh god we've yeah we did go over all this stuff huh yeah. um man what else can i say about this uh like all the interludes are interesting they kind of break it up though but they do make it seem like an album which is a thing i think he wanted to go for yeah he just kind of like killed it again he tried to make another like big album ass album it seems like kendrick is the king yeah a big concept album like he seems like that's his big thing is like storytelling and concept albums and stuff like that i think it's less storytelling than a uh, good kid mad city because it was very much like about his story yeah i was actually um, uh, talking to someone about it and i think um that good kid mad city and to pimp a butterfly are really good for really different reasons oh they're I think, completely different reasons. i think good kid mad city is like um kendrick at his like most conceptual and most lyrical and storytelling the storytelling is insane on it and i mean yeah. there is there is that on both albums um but on to pimp a butterfly um mm-hmm. it's like his production like the beats he chooses the oh, whole my. aesthetic of the album is fucking amazing it's so tight. like that's where he killed it on that one and like you know both albums have elements of both of that but i think yeah, one yeah, is well, like much yeah, yeah. more well focused. good kid yeah good kid mad city is much less in terms of how it sounds uh much less focused on like one production style i think a bunch of different producers came together for it which i think they did for both um but like with on tip of butterfly it's like he has like a backing band and stuff like that so it had like it had a completely different type of when you make music with like a band versus making music like with a beat you're just going to get a completely different like process by which you like create the music and stuff like that digital versus analog it's like well it's just like not even that it's just like when you like oh you just mean like live instruments versus like having a producer give you yeah versus having just a beat playing and then when you ultimately like record like the process by which you record instruments and stuff like that and that whole process of like having sessions to record it and just like the way it all comes together is so much like it's such such a like trial um compared to just having like some dude who like gives you some beats you can like throw onto your like album this was like it was definitely in terms of sound uh, um, a a much bigger like effort on his part to create the like 
the sound that he wanted to create as a follow-up. And what a pressure to follow up Good Kid, Mad City, because it was really just like he just pretty much couldn't top himself. He couldn't retell. He couldn't just make a second album retelling his life story, which is yeah. what, which is like you can't resell yourself like that. Honestly, so instead like... he just like looked outward. He was looking inward on Good Kid, and he started looking outward with to Pimp a Butterfly, and just talked about like he had big like a issues. Lot. He had a lot to live up to, and it's um. Like, I know not everybody feels this way necessarily, but I think it's crazy that I think he lived up to it. I think he managed to top himself somehow, which is insane. Um, I don't know. I think they're... I don't know if I can say that he topped himself. I Like, looking back on it, I think I still like Good Kid, Mad City better. But I think To Pimp a Butterfly definitely deserves number one of the year because I don't think any other album actually, like, even came close to doing what Kendrick did, like, or what this album did, what all the people who worked on this thing did, like, it's just like monument. It's like it's like a, a monument. Like it's huge. Like everything yeah. was completely thought out from from beginning to end. Do you think um, this? Will... Everything was catered specifically for this album, very clearly. Yeah. Like things were made for this album. It wasn't just like something was made and then they decided to put it in the album. It just all felt very like organized. It felt all intentional and organized, yeah. like crazy. I really think uh, this will be seen as a classic in the next 10 years. It's just another classic, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which um, which is what it basically boils down to is just, like, this guy is now just, like, knocking it out of the park one after another. Like, it's going to be weird when he finally releases, like, a bad album. It it's going to be really awkward. There's got to like, be so much fucking pressure on him now. <laughs> dude, like, can you imagine, like, how, like, prepared he, like... Man, if he does release if his next album, because there's no way, like he can't just like release like three classics in a row. <laughs> like, I mean, Section sure. Eighty was actually like really, really good, right? Yeah. But it's not necessarily a classic. Mm, but it's I've, like I've never listened to it all the way through. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard it's really, really freaking good. He was yeah. already blowing up with Section Eighty, and then when Good Kid, Mad City came out, that's when he became mainstream. But he was already like selling out like shows and stuff like that way before. He was already like going to sh- like having like shows with like really big artists who were like popular at the time like Tyga and all kinds of different and like Dom Kennedy and stuff like that so he was already like he was just a huge underground hip-hop artist but I don't think he had like um I mean he's definitely he was definitely not as big as he is now I guess yeah. is what I'm saying he's like um, he wasn't like a, a mainstay like on like radio stations and shit like that all yeah. the time yeah one of the biggest um, rappers of the, of the- decades so far putting out maybe i mean it's up there with like kanye's work is like one of the most important hip-hop albums of the year honestly of the decade honestly like i feel like he has <laughs> kendrick has kendrick won't have to put in very much work to surpass kanye at this point like because kanye is like have you listened to facts yeah oh my god yeah. honestly like kanye is just like and like not only musically but but in terms of personality and what how he's branded himself and what he's doing with his life, I can definitely see Kendrick like continuing to make amazing classics and just like staying true to himself and just like really just making Kanye look like like a fucking washed up sellout. I guess we'll see, man. 20, we'll see. Twenty sixteen we'll is the year Swish releases. You know, dude. If Fax is on Swish, I don't think it will. Then be. Swish is already trash. <laughs> 
just so, for having that. But yeah, yeah um, you know, we can look forward now. Yeah, look forward ex- to the twenty sixteen. Exactly. So here, well, that was some good albums for two thousand fifteen. Yeah. So fuck. here's looking out to two thousand sixteen. Yeah, a year from now, real. we'll be here again, doing this all over again yeah, for two will. hours. Uh huh. Um, we gotta assign albums. Oh, we sure do. I am giving you for this next week. That was our list, by the way. That was 2015. That was us. it. For some Let us know what you. your favorite albums were. Yeah. Uh, my, I'm giving you <laughs> a weird-ass glitch album that I discovered recently called Dataplex by Ryoji Aikida, who is a Japanese uh, minimal... No, not minimal. Minimal is the wrong word. He's one of those people who's like... Uh, he considers himself more a sound artist than a musician because he doesn't really consider what he makes music, you know? Um dataplex is weird the first it's a collection of the stuff he made between 2000 and 2004 or 5 the first like seven or eight tracks are literally just raw data he fed into a machine and got weird sounds out of and then the next uh the rest of the album is more uh clearly more intentionally crafted and stuff um this album was one of the most physically intense albums I've ever listened to. Like, I had to take breaks, and when I took my headphones off, I, like, like realized my whole body had tensed up and stuff. I think it's really incredible, and I think it, he did something on this album that I've never heard before. But it's a little bit much, so just fair warning going in. Jeez. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Give me one second. Oh. <laughs> I actually have um, a couple albums that are listed that I want to listen to, and I'm, I'm going to l- make you listen to something for a week. I want it to be something I want to listen to for a week as well. Okay. So let me just pull up my laptop real quick. Not down, 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 down. Oh, two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, dude. We're like, fuck. This is going to be, I guess it is like the year-end wrap-up. We can have a long one doesn't cost us anything it already costs us our money yeah we already paid for it we already paid into it might as well get our money's worth we're just gonna like destroy the servers oh no soundcloud's like no no we can't take that extra hour this week (laughs) no okay here it is well hey nolan oh hey winter uh this this week i'm gonna give you this heat um, by a band called Deceit. Are you sure it's not called Deceit by This Heat? I don't fucking know, man. I've heard of this album before. It's fucking... It's it, post-punk stuff, right? Yeah, kinda. Yeah, the album's called Deceit and the band is called This Heat. We're gonna start that over. Hey, Nolan! Hey, Winter. I'm gonna give you Deceit by a band called This Heat. Okay. They're from the 80s, and they make, like, crazy, like, post-punky like art rock but it's like the most insane shit i have i've listened to it I've, of this band and i think i've heard a little a tiny it's bit noisy of noisy before and crazy honestly like it's like there's so many moments on this record that don't even sound like rock music there's so many moments where they're experimenting and they're experimenting in ways in the 80s and like that that like they're experiment they're way ahead of their time they're like cool. wildly, wildly ahead of their time is what I'll say about this band. I'm like, down. I've yeah. been needing this is kind of an essential that I've been dancing <coughs> around anyway, so it'll be nice to, yeah. to listen to it. Here's what I'll say one other thing I'll say about it. There are only like there are moments that are just 
fucking hard rocking awesome moments um but they're like kind of few and far in between so you're gonna have to like and it's they're all towards the end of the album too the 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 beginning of the album is very like a lot of weird stuff but power through it and like try to like not lose attention your like any attention um like uh while you're like getting through the first parts because it it is it'll be just jarring and like random stuff um but yeah that's that all right all right guys fucking long ass long ass show to end off the 2015 stuff but but we you know we we do it we do it for the fans because they want it they want they they were like yeah nolan winter nolan winter we want two hours and we're like you know what fans no but then we accidentally went really long so it wasn't an accident it wasn't an we can only talk so fast about 30 albums yeah for real we normally do one two albums bye bye